Howdy ho, Sifters. It's Game Face 160 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. Hope you're having an excellent Thursday night. We're only six days off the last episode. Didn't even wait a whole week to get you guys another one. Uh, the idea is to keep the show on Thursday going forward. So hopefully this will be our permanent spot here until something else comes up that screws everything up. Yeah, we've, this is about our fourth or fifth permanent spot. Yeah, so. we, we do tend to jump around a lot. The idea is to keep it at Thursday. Uh, I think it tends to work out pretty well. It also gives you guys like the weekend to watch the show. The crazy part is, because it's only been six days, the last episode of Game Face is still getting tons of comments and action, and here we are recording another episode. So hopefully you guys are ready for another one. Uh, this is probably going to be another big one. we got another lot of topics again this week. Uh, before we get going, I want to thank Carruthers43. Apparently, sometime while we were away, he donated $50 in bits to our account, so thank you very, very much. I also want to thank some of the YouTube folks. Um, now that we've been posting Game Face more regularly on YouTube, those guys are starting to pitch in a lot more with Twitch Prime, which I appreciate very much. I think that one-click link that we're putting at the top is helping a ton. Mm -hmm. So keep on clicking that, folks. Remember, you have to renew every month, and it's not just like on the first everybody renews. You're on a rolling schedule. So uh, once you subscribe to us via Twitch Prime, you have to wait another 30 days to do it again. So. Just please do that. It's a huge help, particularly for the people on YouTube who can't afford to help us financially. It's a way that you actually can, and it costs you nothing. So please do that. Again, directions down in the description. So it's been a crazy week, Matt. It was hard to put together the rundown for the show today. One of the topics that we're gonna we're still gonna discuss has the story has changed like three times throughout the last couple of days, and we're gonna talk about that. We got a couple big games to talk about. Uh, we're gonna come back to Devil May Cry Five. Uh, typically what we do on the show is we give our initial impressions one week and then we give our final impressions this week and this is Devil May Cry's turn for final impressions and we're going to jump into that right now. So Matt, last mm. week when we talked about Devil May Cry 5, you had played like 30 minutes, an mm -hmm. hour or something like that. You played more, a lot more at this point. I don't know about I mean, I played maybe two more hours. Okay. I am. I haven't finished it uh, yet. In all honesty, it's, I, mean, I don't dislike it at all, but like it's just... It's, I'm, I'm either not in the mood or it's not grabbing me right, and I keep, I start to play it, and then I sort of drift back to the computer and watch videos of Sekiro. Like I, <laughs> I Which we'll probably be talking about next week. Do, I kind of had hoped Devil May Cry 5 would serve as sort of like a methadone while I'm waiting for the Sekiro her heroine, and it's just not working. Yeah. Like, I'll probably go back to it later, um, but this week, it was also, it was a busy week in general, uh, but in the end, when I had time to play... I found myself just sort of defaulting back to Far Cry New Dawn because Far Cry New Dawn requires no thought whatsoever. <laughs> and Devil May Cry 5 is, is more involved. So so you're still early on. But you yeah, I, think I'm, I think I'm right before you play as V for the first time. Okay. I'm on mission 18. I believe I'm near the end. Yeah, all I think the... there's 20. Oh, okay. Uh, th then I am. Um, all the things that are happening right now, you can tell, are all heading towards the, the final mm -hmm. conflict, so to speak. So I've pretty much finished the game at this point. Um, I guess... One thing I do want to mention when we talk about it today is how the game feels to play. We got a couple comments on YouTube, and they were like, you talked about the game for 20 minutes. You didn't really explain how it works and how it plays. And we actually, I did talk about this back when I played the demo a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people don't get to watch every episode, and this is sort of our final take on it. So I do want to talk a little bit more about the gameplay this time than we did last time. And one thing we also didn't talk about last week that we absolutely should is V, who you just mentioned. You have not played as him yet. No, I've seen videos. 
the V videos, but I have not <laughs> played the V levels. So V is the long-haired, dark-haired guy. He's Adam Driver. Yeah, that you've Some, seen. So, somebody was a Kylo Ren fan. Yeah, you just saw in the B-roll that we're showing, he's the guy who kind of levitates away in that one cutscene that we showed. He, here's the thing with V. You do not actually fight with V. V can basically summon two creatures. He can summon a Black Panther and a hawk or an eagle. It's like a crow. I, I don't even know what it's it is. It's a big it's crow. some weird bird thing. And the way it works when you play as... That Nico is not intimidated by, it turns out. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so V, you don't actually play as V so much because he can summon these animals. You actually control the two animals. And then once the animals have done enough damage to an enemy, the enemy basically gets stunned. And then you come in as V and you finish him off with his cane slash sword. Um, and so basically how it works is once you summon one of the creatures to make them attack, you just hit the triangle button or the square button and they just kind of automatically take it over. And then once you, you've chipped an enemy down to the point where you can finish him, you move in with V and you hit the circle button and then he stabs him with his cane and then they basically disintegrate and that's how you fight. Um, I mentioned last week the game is really easy, at least relatively speaking, compared to prior Devil May Cry games. That has not changed. In fact, the V stages are so easy. It's like a far gone conclusion that you're going to complete it without dying. Um, and that is probably my biggest complaint with this game, which is odd, because I'm not a big Dark Souls guy or Bloodborne guy. Um, but Devil May Cry and Ninja Gaiden are two franchises, and when I go to play them, I prepare myself for them to be tough. Mm -hmm. And I prepare myself to die a ton and have to learn from my mistakes and make changes and do better to make headway. And that's just really not the way Devil May Cry 5 plays. Yeah, it seems like if, the, if you want that out of it, you're, you have to finish the game and play and on the harder difficulties. Jack it up. Do you think that this was intentional? I think it probably was. Um, just because they want, uh, they want the widest audience and they want people to not be intimidated. They want people to keep going and not feel like they're hitting a wall and not be able to get past it. And then, like, you know, the first play... I mean, it's kind of been assumed in these kinds of games, these character action games, the first playthrough is basically practice. Yeah. Um, but even with a lot of the old, other, you know, even this series, uh, especially three, um, that first playthrough can can be tough. I thought four was hard too. Four, was, it, four wasn't a walkthrough. No, in yeah. patches it was. But like this one, yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't played a whole ton of it, but it's like even so far, no, you know, having played through uh, all the other Devil May Cry's except two, which I was never able to finish because it's terrible. Um, the uh, the fact like that, like it feels it feels a little training wheelsy to the point that I can't imagine what human difficulty must be like. Yeah, like that must just be walking through. I've given a lot of grief to the Assassin's Creed franchise in the past for having enemies that just stand around and wait to get killed, mm -hmm. and they've kind of fixed that in the last couple entries of Assassin's Creed. But that's what happens in this game. While you're attacking one enemy, all the other enemies just kind of stand around and watch. Yeah, well, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it's not like that on like Dante Must Die, yeah, mode sure. or whatever. Yeah. But like, I'm sure that's there for you if you want. And like, anyone who's like a pro at Devil May Cry is gonna walk through their first playthrough, no problem. Yeah. Um, but it's not. It's not a bad thing necessarily. I mean, you're, you're expected if you're hardcore into these games, you're pretty much expected that you're gonna play them multiple times and perfect yep. your your game. You're, you know, you're, you're going to perfect your game. You're going to perfect your rating. You're going to get that triple S as much as you can on every every difficulty. Um, you know, it's. I think it's still there for you if that's what's important to you about Devil May Cry. This game's also pretty long. I have not looked at 
data to see exactly how long I've been playing it, but I would guess I'm already at like close to 20 hours. Yeah, it's, it's it, you get, you, I think you get your money's worth, it seems like, if there's really 20 levels and they're all comparable in, in length and size. I mean, also, like, you know, a lot of these games have not been any kind of a pushover. Devil May Cry 4 cheated a little bit, and then it was kind of like, you know, you got to the midpoint, and then you basically backtrack. switch to Dante and then backtrack all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. But, um, no, I, it seems... You know, from what I can tell, what I've seen online and, and read, uh, it's, it seems like uh, it's worth the money if this is your thing. It absolutely is. Um, one thing I did mention last week is that you don't play as Dante at the beginning of the game, and it's a little bit of false advertising. You re- really takes a while before you mm-hmm. get Dante in this game. I mean, he's basically like the late game character. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, eventually, like the, the post games, like after you finish it, you can play as anybody, right? right. Like for, on most things. So, again, like, it's, these games are all about mastery more than just, like, you know, the single completion. So that doesn't super surprise me. Yeah, it's, it's, like the, it's like Mario games. It's like when you finish the game, you've only begun. You've scratched the surface, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about how it feels to play. That's one thing you've done enough of. You should mm-hmm. be able to give a pretty good opinion on. What, how do you feel about how it plays and the control scheme and everything? That's good. I mean, it borrows a lot from 4. Uh, which I thought was fine in that regard. It doesn't. It doesn't grab me the way three did because three had a lot more like um, precise timing parries, which yeah. I think are a lot of fun if they're done right. Um, that might just be me uh, coming off of like the fighting game thing. Yeah. Because uh, I I really like the parry system in Street Fighter three and uh, Devil May Cry three had one of the stances was basically like like frame perfect parries and right. like if you were really you know it's very hard but if you were good at it like it was there was nothing more satisfying in that game so that's not really here in this one it's more of a there's um, hardly any defense in this not game. much it's more it's more like uh you're meant to be like always on the offensive and knocking things in the air and pull like you see here pulling things pulling things towards you controlling the field it's more about controlling the field so yep. no one gets a chance to put you on the defensive which is also fun you know it's, it more, is, yeah. it's more of a bayonetta uh, approach but they did it in four and um yeah, the evasive role I've used for boss fights, but other than that, like I haven't hardly used it at all. Yeah, other than that, you're mo- it's, it seems more important, at least early on, to be running interference more than worrying about your uh, your dodge roll. Um, except in the bosses, obviously the bosses I've fought so far, are like yeah, you got you got to roll, you got to get out of the way. Um, and I have used the you know that that invincibility, the invincibility frames on the jump have come in very handy on stuff like that. Um, yeah, you can jump out of danger like yeah. no problem. But overall, I think it's you know it, it feels real good. Um, you know, it's it's pretty smooth. I'm playing the Xbox One X. I haven't noticed you know really any kind of performance issues. Um, moves real smooth. Uh, if you get an, a good combination of the breakers, which is a weird system at first when like where like you know you, to getting getting used to the idea that, that they really break, they're disposable, and you have to like pick up more, buy more later. But like if you get the right combination. You know, because I, mean, I know some people just prefer to use the same one three times. I like to put a variety in. And well, as you start things up. growing through the game, a lot of the combinations are triangle, 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 mm. triangle, 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 yeah. triangle, triangle, triangle. It, like, it uses more of a like a like the pause system. So yeah. it's like triangle, pause, triangle, triangle is a different thing than just triangle, triangle, triangle. Right. Because um, there's only one button for the sword. Right. Uh, I do find myself using the guns more than I usually do. Uh, yeah, so um, we talked about that a little bit last week. So after we left, I went home and I just leveled the guns up all the way. Mm-hmm. And now I'm to the point where I can, and the gun on the PlayStation 4 controllers is, is the square. 
Now I'm to the point where I can just hold the square in and release it, and I can kill most enemies with one shot. Mm -hmm. So it is way more effective than it ever has been for me in a Devil May Cry game. Uh, the one thing I would say that feels awkward, I, honestly, I don't think the combat in this game feels great. I think it feels a little, there's something about it. It's like kind of hitchy and a little disjointed. Another issue that I have with the, with the combat is that there's no canceling. Once you go into an animation, you're stuck in that animation. You've got to mm -hmm. wait for it to play out. And if, uh, if you're surrounded by several enemies and maybe you miss a combo, you didn't get locked on correctly, you're just left kind of flailing out into nowhere. And there's no way to just cancel it out and get back into the fight. It's not like a deal breaker where I like lost a battle because of it or whatever. It just doesn't feel perfect. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, the controls themselves are simple. Square is your gun triangle is is your sword and then the circle button switches and this is another thing that i have an issue with compared uh when you compare v to playing the other characters so triangle on ps4 is always a sword when you play as v to finish enemies with his cane slash sword you have to hit circle hmm. it, it it's it's not a gigantic deal, but it's just one of those things that most games just don't break or step over mm -hmm. the line with. It's like to me, that would kind of make sense in the in the way that like circle is the breaker uh, when you're Nero. So circle is sort of like your big, your sort of your flourish in that regard. So I, I guess that would make sense, but I haven't played V yet, so I don't know for sure or not. Um, to me, like I, I see what you're saying about like, kind of the the being stuck in the in the move. Like you have to commit to the moves. It's hard to cancel stuff. Yeah. Um, but I only really notice that too much when I get overzealous in boss fights. You know, when I go for that last hit, which is, a, is clearly I shouldn't go for because he's already winding up for his, his next hit, and yeah. I get tagged for it. Like that that's the main t place I notice that. I'm like, yeah, but but usually it's like, yeah, I got greedy. Like I I feel like it's usually my fault. Like once I know that that is how the combat works, like here's the thing though, that's Matt. like that's sort of me being a, being a dick to myself. But as you get farther into the game, you start getting more elaborate combos mm -hmm. that last longer, that are like five or six swings and. And because you have those combos at your disposal, a lot of times you're, it's not just like one or two swings. You're like going into this full-fledged like combo, elaborate combo, while the enemies are well, off can't, doing But can't thing. you like break out of that by breaking the breaker? Like isn't that what LB is for? That's possible. I don't think that's what it's for. The, that's that's to deliver basically your most powerful move with your devil. Breaker. Yeah, but it's also but to, then it's also gone. It's also to use it, it right, but it's also like the, the other purpose of that is to basically use it as an emergency cancel. I, I wasn't it. aware of that, but I don't want to lose my breakers. That's the thing. It's like so when you start each mission, you choose your loadout. You choose the the breakers or the arms basically that Nero's going to attach to his arm, and. That's another thing that you can level up throughout the game. You can increase it so you have more. But once you've run out of those breakers, the only way to get more is to find them laying on the ground. Mm -hmm. So before like a boss fight, a lot of times they'll lay one breaker down yeah, I the found, ground. I, I, there's always more breakers laying around than I, need, than I can use. No, it's true. Like I pass up a ton of them. Maybe or, not always the ones I want. Or they're but... redundant. But see, here's the problem. It's like if you're full and you pass, and here's my, here is my biggest complaint about this game actually. If you're full, you can't go back and get that arm. This game has those points where cinematics no, trigger, and yeah. you can't go back. And this has driven me freaking crazy. So 
at certain points in the game, like they give you like a mid-level checkpoint. So if you die, you don't have to go all the way back to the back. And basically they're phone booths and you can call in Nico and that's the girl that drives the van. Mm -hmm. So you call her on the phone, she rolls in, and then you can use the van to customize and do all that stuff. Buy new moves and set your loadout and all that kind of stuff. So there is one instance. So what happens is before you go into a big skirmish, there's a phone booth, there's probably a, a, a devil arm laying on the ground or something like that. But you... You don't want to just run up and use that phone or grab that devil arm because once you trip certain things, you can't go back. So there was one point where I came into this big open area. I just finished a big battle and I could see the phone booth way up ahead. And I was like, okay, I don't want to get too close because once I get to that phone booth, it's going to trigger a cutscene, and I won't be able to go back. And I look around and I can see all these things that I want to pick up before that triggers. And I took two steps more forward cutscene triggers. I, I, I lost that. I not only lost that, I had collected one of those bug things and not used it in the vagina yet because I was like, okay, maybe that that vagina is actually where you go to finish the level. So I was like, all right, I want to adventure and check out everything else and collect everything before I head down the main path again because I'm well aware that like once you trigger cinematics, you can't go back. So I took the bug and I started searching around. Well, it turned out the, the area that was guarded by the alien vagina was the side area. It mm. wasn't the, the path to the main area. So I ended up going down to the main area. Cinema triggers, I never get to go back to that path. I still have that bug thing in my inventory, never used. <laughs> so there's weird quirks with this game and there's no, there's no way to know it's coming. Like literally, I took like two steps, cutscene, done, can't go back. And again, that's another way that this game is a, is a lot like the games from the PS2 era, which is where it was birthed, which makes sense in some regards. And, and it's a reason why I kind of like this game more than maybe I would normally, because it is kind of a breath of fresh air compared to what we've been playing with all this open world stuff lately. But there are little issues that crop up like that. And, and if you're like a completionist type, like you're not going to be able to get everything in your first go. I guarantee it. Something It's going to happen to you just like it happened to me. You're going to get trapped after a cutscene. You're not going to be able to go back and pick up everything. Yeah. So, Although I would argue that if you're expecting that from this kind of game, you are in the wrong genre. Yeah, yeah. You probably haven't played Devil May Cry before. But still, there are a lot of people who haven't played it that may be interested in buying this game. So I just think it's good to get all the information out there so people know what they're getting into before they, they decide to plunk down their 60 bucks. Um, but... The one thing I would say is the game is just fun as hell. It's big and it's dumb and the enemies say stupid stuff and the plot doesn't make any sense and all the characters say these inane things that I don't even know what they mean half of the time. But it's just fun. The Fighting the enemies is fun even with my issues with some of the combat. The, the It's really, it's a boss rush game is what it is. Because there's so many bosses in huge altercations and Basically, they just give you these little skirmishes in between the set piece boss fights. If they just, as the game goes on, it's just one gigantic creature after another that you fight. And that's why it is so fun. I've had a blast with the game. Um, I highly recommend it. Anyone who likes hack and slash games, this is pretty much the creme de la creme. Um, and at the same time, it's not overly difficult. So I don't feel like people are going to get frustrated. But there's incentive to go back and play it again if you want to. Um, it's an old character-driven action game um, that feels old in some regards, but because we don't play these games that much anymore, it doesn't feel that old, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. Well, also it's using all the modern tech to put yeah, the, put the flash helps. up there. And, yeah. 
you know, you've never really seen a game of this kind with this level of tech behind it. Yep. And this level of power behind it. So it's, I think, you know, even just watching that first boss, major boss fight with all the, you know, the fire everywhere and stuff and yeah. smashing the ground and popping back up, you know, it's, it's you know, it's it's on the level of how how impressive like that first big like scorpion tarantula boss fight was in the first Devil May Cry on the yeah. PS2. You know, yeah, like, yeah. you've never seen anything like that before either. So I think it 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 works as kind of the modern equivalent of that, and it doesn't try to be more than that. And uh, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's two thumbs up. Yeah, from, from both of us. Um, and worth the sixty bucks. It's long enough to get your money's worth. And if you're the type of person who wants to perfect your play, mm-hmm. or you're just a completionist who wants to go back and collect everything, it's going to be interesting to see the the, the comparisons with Sekiro. Yeah. Uh, when that comes out in a week, because like I think I, my instinct is that I'm going to like Sekiro more, just in terms of combat style. But there's going to there's an gonna, because it's from software. I feel like there's going to be sort of that, you know, from has you know. We're already seeing from like Digital Foundry and stuff like you know, Sekiro's not running tremendously well on consoles. Your PS4 Pro version, at least the what the 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 preview that they they recorded from, you're looking at uh, 1080p, you know, wavering between 40 and 60 frames per second. Uh, the lesson from the Digital Foundry stuff seems to be if you're going to buy Sekiro and you care about frame rate, you better buy it on PC. Um, but like From is going to be kind of the more scrappy sort of like. Yeah. Like, you know, it's got rough edges, it's a little... Tech, but, like, they got these really interesting things on it, whereas, like, Devil May Cry 5 is a little more predictable in that regard, but the polish, the, the sheen on it... Is it like, is very it's like polished. nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's crazy, too, to think that we never... We didn't see this game much mm-hmm. before it was announced, and then it came out... Yeah, like really got that later. one, like, E3 sort of long trailer, and then that demo, yep. and that was... That was pretty much it. much it. Yeah, I mean, they haven't put out a ton of media for it. Um... But I've enjoyed the crap out of this game. I had a ton of fun with it, and I'm not the world's biggest DMC fan. So, yeah. and it's nice, you know, it's always good. Every once, yeah, you know, about once a month, someone pops up with the hot take about how single player games are dying. Right. And <laughs> it's like all I can say is, God of War, Spider Man, Far Cry, Metro, Devil May Cry Five, Sekiro, which is published by Activision of all people. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil 2, I mean, the list goes, you know, there's great single-player content out there, and Devil May Cry 5 is yet another entry. Yeah, and I think I mentioned this last week, I'm not 100% sure, but Sekiro, we're not get, you're not going to get early reviews for the yeah, game. No one's getting that till release day, I think. Yeah, we're getting review code that's being sent to us by Activision, um, and they didn't tell me when, they just said we're getting it, mm-hmm. uh, but there are reports out there that uh, no yeah. one's going to get it and until And no one has it. gotten hands-on with the Xbox version uh, from software's uh, support of Xbox versions has been spotty in the past. So uh, even as someone who does like to get multi-platform stuff on the X, um, I don't know if the Xbox One X's power differential is going to be enough to brute force this thing, Sekiro, into better performance. Um, so I am I'm going PC for this. Interesting. I mean, I mean maybe I'll go. Because frame rate is so important in these from software games, like up, you know, Dark Souls running at 60 is like nothing else. Um, really, it's the only way to play it if you can. I know, yeah. that, I know that we didn't on you know on PS3 back in the day, but it's like now that now we're here, it, it's way better. Yeah. Sekiro is such a more combat focused game in terms of kind of having a character action thing that I think that's important. So I am going for the first time in a long time on PC because I know that either it's going to be able to be run at that by you know 
just in brute force or the modding community is going to fix what they need to fix because that's happened with from software stuff and maybe i'll go back and get it on a console later um i was actually kind of defaulting to ps4 originally because that's what they're sending us i just feel like i want to play these i, I like to play from software games on the playstation controller like for whatever just because i'm so used to it i guess yeah. but like this is a very different beast from dark souls and bloodborne so we'll see yeah. what it is but uh yeah uh, I'm hoping we can talk about it next week. I'm hoping these reports are wrong and I get the code here in the next couple days. Because also, From I Software's I, games are not short games. No, I don't think that's going... I think everything I've heard is day of. That's so, so weird. It would be the day after. Because this, this is not typical of From Software either. No, it's... It, but and Dark you, Souls always out early. Yeah, and usually, like, I mean, I, some people think it's because they don't want spoilers out there. Some people just think Activision's being a jerk. Um, no, Activision, I mean, Activision always sends us early code. Yeah, I mean, so whatever this is, I don't know. Could be that they're waiting for a patch to that's get the performance more likely, up. I think. Because um, what, you know, what Digital it's, Foundry was showing was not yeah, encouraging. Right. I mean, And if they haven't even shown the Xbox version yet? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, it could be dicey. Um, I mean, I feel with, with, uh, with From, and with almost any Japanese developer, I feel like you're pretty safe assuming the PlayStation is sort of the lead platform. Yeah. Um, but in this case, you st- who knows? You know, fr- yeah. from software games as good as they are, do sometimes have some technical surprises in them. Yeah. So it is a shame that nobody's getting this early enough to sort of give people a heads up on things day of. Like we're sort of going in blind on this yeah. one. And I know that you know there's tons of fans of from software that trust them, and, and they're just going to buy it. Yeah. They're just going to get it. I mean, I already I already ordered it. Yeah. But like who knows what we're going to be walking into next Friday? I'll say this: I am more excited for this game than any from software game ever. Well, I think so. I think Sekiro is going to be more up your alley. Absolutely, than, than the, there's no stamina bar, which yep. is very important because you don't like stamina bars. Yep. Uh, it's it's you know it's about having this crazy combat, but like there's no RPG element, so there's no way to sort of like min max into the wrong direction or right. or whatever. Yeah, you know, like you're 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 always going to be equipped to handle whatever the game is throwing at you by default. That and, solves my probably yeah. my biggest gripe with From Software games. Yeah, you at least will always know that you are equipped to do what you need to do, and you just have to figure out what it is right. and, and how to beat this particular. I'm enemy. totally down so. with that. So hopefully we get it a little early, and we can talk about it on next week's show. But I really can't don't think that's anything. happening. Yeah, it doesn't look like. Also, it. if you get it early, I don't get to play it. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, well, actually, if it go, it comes out on Friday, so it should go live 9 p.m. Thursday night, which is yeah, when you our can get sh- some in. That's when our show ends. Yeah. So, so we'll we'll at least talk about it next week. I don't know how informed we could, we'll we could, be at that could, point, but we could theoretically push to Friday and yeah. have an evening of play before we talk about it. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Because that is the big thing next week. Oh yeah, absolutely. The good news for this month, it's not a, an amazing month for games, but they're spread out very well. So yeah. there's one big game every week, and we're going to be talking about uh, the Division Two, which comes out tomorrow. Uh, later on in the show, I've been playing that for the last several days. So. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about a story that was a story, then wasn't a story, but maybe it still is a story. It's and, not a story. And that, and that is the rumor that flew around, was it yesterday or the day before? I'll say it was yesterday. Yeah, well, I think it was yesterday. That Sony was in talks, in late stage talks, to purchase Take-Two. And the internet went berserk. Uh, and the reason why it, the reason the internet went berserk, and the reason why people believed this was because the information was coming from Market Watch, mm-hmm. and this isn't some rinky-dink like Sony fan site or a, a Rockstar fan. Or, it was Market Watch, which is one of the biggest financial reporting websites on the entire internet. So 
a lot of times we see stuff like this. We'll see it's from I love reddead.com yeah. and we'll, we'll like ignore it and blow it off. Mm -hmm. When something comes from Market Watch, it's 99 out of 100 times legit. So we curated the story, several websites reported the story. And Until then, people realized that they were reporting on something that hadn't, didn't trace back to anything. Yeah. Like you couldn't, you couldn't trace this back to any actual data. Right, no data. So there was a guy, was it a guy from Wedbush? I think so. Pax yeah. I think company. Pax said that. Yeah. Joel. Yeah. Basically, Pax Underling had written in a report, or had mentioned to the Market Watch guy mm -hmm. that basically. Yeah. Take Two's stock had shot up that morning and nobody really knew why. And this was one of his possible explanations as to what could cause that. And then the Market Watch guy took that information and ran with it. Yeah. And in a note. Because he, it's the most exciting possible explanation for that. Right. And then put it in a note that he didn't say possibly. He said that this is happening. Mm -hmm. That Take-Two... Basically, it's like, word on the street is... Well, if you look that, at like, the headline from the story, it says, in deep talks. Yeah. It, that's what through is still... Because, because that's how far it would have to be at that point to actually cause that kind of a jump. I guess... Um, that would, it, that's still what gives me pause through the whole thing. The fact that the headline of the story wasn't just they're talking... But deep in talks, mm -hmm. which means that I am aware of the fact that they've been talking about this for a while. So if it's just something that you're hypothesizing or pulling out of your butt, as it were, it's weird to say that they're deep into this. Well, no, it's not. Because his explanation for why that stock jump would happen would be, well, they'd have to, not only would this have to be happening, but it would, they would have to be pretty deep into it. It would have to be kind of a sure thing for it to be causing that. But... That's the scenario he's using to explain this as a hypothetical, and he didn't, I guess, couch it properly as a hypothetical, and someone just picked it up and ran with it. Well, the, the, the thing is that today, after he got put through the ringer over the last 24 <laughs> hours, he... By Pac and a couple of those articles. He, I'm sure Pac was mortified. <laughs> but the thing is, is he reissued something today, and in that report, then he put, like, unconfirmed. Mm -hmm. And had all this disqualifying language, which he didn't have in there the day before. Right. The, the, the Tales from My Ass disclaimer was not there yesterday. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so today he does that. So it's understandable why some websites reported the story. Right. It's it, also just, that's just also how market stuff works sometimes. Yeah. Like you forget that the stock market is basically a shared delusion in, a lot of, in many senses. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, it's that famous joke where like someone says like, you know, says something that rhymes with sell. And then suddenly, you know, the telephone chains down. I was like, sell, 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 sell. And then someone, then someone says, okay, I'm hanging out now. Goodbye. And so like, goodbye? It's a goodbye? It's a goodbye. Bye, bye. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that's, <laughs> you know it, it can be that stupid sometimes. It can, absolutely. Um, Which is why you have to be careful when you make stuff up. Right, that's like why that. he shouldn't have reported right. it the way that he did. Um, and then Sony came out today with a denial pretty much which, a denial which they would even if it was true right really, you know, right i mean yeah. obviously you can't you can't tip your hand on stuff like that when it's still in negotiation but i do not i do not believe for one second this is happening why because i mean if, ignore like all the stuff we just talked about well what we just talked about is a pretty good reason to not believe it's happening but right. i didn't really believe from the from the beginning because it's the the deep into the talks thing is the thing that made me not believe it because it's like there's no way that that shit wouldn't leak earlier like we would we would know rumblings about it and none of nothing has been said nothing has yeah. been suggested nothing has been mentioned also it feels like a lot of money to spend for what like sony for what 
for 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 a, a company that puts out a major game every eight years, like you already have like a huge first party stable. But you got to remember, it like, wasn't just Rockstar; it was Take Two. Yeah, I just so don't, you get all Take Two stuff. You get NBA Two K, you get Borderlands, yeah, all that I just stuff. Don't, I just don't see why Sony would want all that. Like uh, on the degree to the degree that they already sort of are the lead on that stuff. They sell more on the PlayStation than anywhere else. Well, it was once upon a time. I mean, Rockstar games were pretty much exclusive to PlayStation yeah. platforms. I mean. The first few Grand Theft Autos, 3D Grand Theft Autos, were exclusive yeah. to PlayStation. Well, in part, that was because PlayStation 2 was the only game in town. I mean, almost literally. Like, if you wanted to put something that was M-rated and could use the whole disc, because the GameCube had the tiny discs, like, you know, Xbox didn't have the clout. Um, PlayStation 2 was in millions more homes than yeah. anything else. Like, well, it just PS2 made sense. PS2 was just gigantic. Um, and yeah, sure. Like, game, like you know, uh, uh, Xbox got version, you know, got ports of the PC versions of those games eventually. But it's like it was so many years after the fact it didn't matter anymore. Um, so yeah, that was probably a good time for so- for for Sony in that regard. But like, uh, Sony was all had already sort of like you know hit it big without them, and then like GTA Three just made it even more you know enhancement. But I don't know, paying fourteen billion something for something like that, it seems like that's a long that's a long con. It that, is, that, but we thought, you know, when the purchase price for Minecraft, when that was announced, I was like, Holy crap, that's insane. They made back that money in a year. Yeah, that's also a lot less money. And the other thing about It was what, two billion? Yeah. Four, I think. It was four. Was it four? I might be confusing that with Lucasfilm. Possible. Uh, I don't know. It was a lot. It was a couple billion. It was a lot. Several <laughs> a few billion. billion, yeah. A few billion. A few billion between friends. <laughs> um the, uh, the but the thing also with Minecraft is you are making like Microsoft in part I am convinced did that because they saw that there's a whole generation of children growing up with Minecraft instead of Mario. Yeah. And how long till someone buys Epic? Right. And twenty. <laughs> I don't. Know, that's a, that's a pricey meatball. It is. Microsoft knows twenty years from now. When those kids are turning thirty, they're gonna hit Minecraft. The, to the their nostalgia kids. thing hits hard. Yeah. Uh, then they, they want to introduce Minecraft to their children. Like like the Microsoft's point is making a huge investment. These in investments the seem large, but when you think about the long tail of that, right? But my thing about about the Take Two thing is that, like, I find I think Take Two's output, while it's obviously you know, especially with Rockstar stuff, it seems like a pretty surefire bet. Things change fast. Yeah, I you mean, know, like I, it, you learned that with Microsoft when it bought Rare. Right, there's a perfect example oh, of yeah. it. Who would who would have thought that, yeah. that that's what would that would have right. turned into? Yeah, to, to the, their biggest biggest moment was looking at the bottom of Avatar's shoe. Yeah, you're buying logos and characters. Yeah. I mean, that's all you're buying. You're not buying the talent that created those experiences. Yeah, I just don't. I, I it doesn't add up to me for some reason. It just you know, not in the and not in the whole thing where I'm just like, oh, they like competition or they want like. like you know that's all true too. You don't want to conglomerate. You know you want to cons- don't want to consolidate too much stuff under one first party umbrella in, in the name of competition, or whatever. But like, my thing on this is it just I just I don't see it. I don't see Sony as the way Sony is. I don't see that being their mo for this. They seem to they seem to prefer sort of like a a a stable of sort of independent studios that sort of all do their own thing. They can do that sort of cinematic first party like experience thing. But with like more of a turnaround that like just the take two stuff just doesn't pull off, you know, like and just it's like at some point you're you know, you pay all this money and sure you've got Rockstar, but does Rockstar listen to you? Does Rockstar you know, like what can you rely on Rockstar for other than like one one major thing a generation 
at this point. Yeah. Whereas like you know, and NBA is cool, but like, is that you know, is it setting stuff on fire? You know, 2K Sports, like, what do you, you know? Maybe you could, maybe Sony could boot them into making, I don't know, football games again. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that would a little be. competition for Madden wouldn't be yeah. a bad thing. Um, I think the other and thing, then, and, then you're, and then you have Gearbox, which is uh, a whole other can of worms in <laughs> a lot of sense. Although Gearbox is, sounds like they're about to have a big month. Yeah, holy cow! Pax um, East is going to be a big old blowout. Yeah. For- for, looks like Borderlands and Borderlands probably and their else. what was that other shooter one v one I think that they're working on. Oh, like whatever, or, whatever. I don't know. I saw the a teaser. Shooter, I and saw the, the teaser image with the the robot half. That's built. today. Yeah, but yeah. the one v one game was announced hmm. like a year and a half ago, and we haven't seen anything about it since. So I don't know if maybe they've transformed that into this new project that they're talking. I don't know, but I think what threw people off the most was how specific the rumor was. Mm-hmm. It's like it's take two if it would just said sony is looking into buying some publisher i don't think it would have got the pickup that it did but when you mention a specific publisher i think that leads people to believe that you have credible information and ultimately it turns out that they chose take two because its stock had gone up that day unexpectedly but when all this was happening in real time i think people just looked at everything and they're like this makes it all made sense it's like why would you name take two mm-hmm and then ultimately you find out why Take-Two was the one that they named. But when it was all happening in real time, nobody knew any of that stuff. So I can totally understand why some outlets reported it. Um, I get it. And were you excited or not excited by this news? I think most people were really pissed off. Well, I was unexcited because I didn't believe it from the beginning. Like when I saw it, I'm like, that's bullshit. Like that's not a real thing. I, I didn't look at it that way at all. After Microsoft just bought all those studios, I could totally see. Well, I, I understand why people like jumped in on it, but it, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. It made zero sense to me, and I'm like, that's got to be some weird. There's got to be some weird origin for that. That's a. That's a. But I think a, it absolutely makes sense. Like I think it would be a smart acquisition because I don't, I don't agree. Think with that. about it. If you make that acquisition right now, before PS5 and Xbox Two come out, and people know. The only way they're going to be able to play the next GTA, the only way they're going to be able to play the next Red Dead is if they buy a PS5. That makes a huge difference. That trickles down in so many ways. It trickles down into selling software, period, because if more people buy your console, you're going to sell more of everyone's software, not just Rockstar's. So I thought it actually made great sense. I thought it was going to be a genius move, but ultimately it turns out to just be folly. Yeah, I don't, it, I, I don't think that makes as much sense as... You might think it would when you're dealing with money and that kind of th- those numbers. Like it's just it's so much money for the sake of something that like really like people still associate GTA with PlayStation brand anyway. Like it just feels like it wouldn't be worth it to the point that like you know it's, I, I just it, I don't see How modern people, Sony doing that. Think I just about don't it, see it. How many people would make their console purchase decision solely on that? A lot. Yeah, but a yeah, lot. but only I think when GTA was actually in play. You know what I mean? I think but I th- people know another one's coming. A, a very small demographic know. Oh, like, no, huh? oh yeah, no. the mainstream that make these things an actual multi-million. Those people huge know. Sell- no, they, they know. Don't. There's always going to be another GTA. Yeah, they but they, they're not. They not. They don't know that it's going to be exclusive to them because a certain company that's not even called Rockstar got bought by. Oh, Sony if they this. signed that deal, they would know. I Dude, think Sony I don't would think spend so much money trumpeting that crap. Not until not until they could admit it existed. You also think about the timing of the next GTA. I mean, we're pretty. We should be able to see it any day now. Like the game's been oh, in development G- for like GTA, eight years. GTA is years and years away. You don't know that though. But I'm pretty sure it is. Like, I would say an educated guess, probably. 
but you don't know that. I don't know that, but I'm pretty sure that for the first, for the next two to three years, if they did, first off, it would take a couple of years to complete that purchase. Um, but they're deep into it, man. Well, <laughs> right, deep in. well, even once you're deep into it, once you make the trans- transition, like then you have like a year yeah. of, you know, well, there's a transition. So, there a is long, a transition. There's such because corporations the, are such giant slow beasts. Yeah. When it comes to, especially because all the multi-platform games would have still come out for all the platforms. Right. They'd have to go through that whole process. And there's of, a point at you know, but I think you know, early on, the only thing they could really do is like, oh, Red Dead Redemption Two next gen only on only PS5, on PS4 which is Pro not nothing. Whatever. Yeah. But um. It doesn't help if it's already backwards compatible, of course, and you right. already have the disc. Yeah. Um, but it would probably, uh, if you're talking about the best version of it ending up on PS5, uh, you would pay maybe have a fair amount of double dipping because a lot of people who wanted the best version this time around bought the Xbox version. Yeah, they did. Um, I don't know. It just didn't didn't ring true to me. It felt like people were jumping on something like that because a bunch of crazy acquisitions have happened. Yeah. You know, the last six six to twelve months. You yeah. Know, like, like it's not like a crazy. It's not all. It's not a crazy reason. idea yeah. in in the in the yeah. in the times we're in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. It's uh, it's not a thing that I looked at and was like that would never happen because, you know, corporate acquisitions of that nature just aren't a thing. And he's like, no, because yeah. that stuff's happening constantly. I mean, right actually, now. that stuff's happening more now yeah. than ever. Like everything's just, getting consolidated. It just in, in my mind, umbrella. it just it just does not jibe with what I think Sony is after right now. Like it's uh, like if they wanted to play it that aggressively, like what you're talking about, they probably could. I think they could afford. They could to buy it. Yeah, that's another if thing they really wanted to. They're like, could they even afford it? But they absolutely can. They could. Uh, they it could, would hurt. It would hurt. <laughs> it would be. It would be. A, it would be all in. It'd be an all in yeah. bet to some degree. Uh, they might. It might be. I mean, the only thing that would have convinced me is if they, they were already in the if they were already in the process of getting rid of Sony Pictures. Yeah, which. Um, which has been rumored for years yeah. that they want <laughs> like to do it's... that because the only wing of Sony that really makes money is PlayStation, yeah. Sony Computer Entertainment. Um, Some of their weird industries also make money. Yeah, here, but for years it was just SCE. Yeah, and um, yep. and Sony Pictures has been a notorious loss leader for a long because they can't figure out how to get anything done. Yep. Um, wh- whether it's Spider Man or Ghostbusters or they've got all these properties they don't know what to do. You know, it's like they drop the ball almost every time. I keep. Oh, I keep. I always think about. Um, uh, you remember Swingers? Yeah. Uh, how can the, you not remember that, Swingers? There's that pep talk they give uh, John Favreau about how you, you're, the, you're this bear with these huge claws. Yeah, and yeah. He's got this bunny. You don't know. <laughs> like that's Sony. It that's is, Sony yeah. with their IPs in, in Sony Pictures. <laughs> like this, it's like it's like yeah. you have Ghostbusters. How can you? How are you? How can not, you screw that up? You had Spider-Man and you screwed it up three times in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And now you might take it back and screw it up again. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's it's just or not. Yeah. Or they you know and I don't know. Venom did well. Yeah. I didn't I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Like, Venom wasn't terrible. I watched no. it on a flight and it wasn't great, but it it's wasn't funny, terrible. It's funny to me how like there's sort of like, you know, there's there's an expectation now of like modern superhero movies to be of a certain nature and a certain kind and everything. Yeah. But you're seeing with stuff like Venom and to a lesser degree Wonder Woman, um like doing kind of a throwback where to like making a superhero movie that feels like it was maybe done in the late nineties. That seems to work now. Yeah. Like people, people dig sort of the throwback thing, it, kind of the retro superhero movie. That seems to be, and I think Shazam's going to go for that. It looks like uh, it. next month as well. Oddly um, enough, my biggest complaint with Venom was something that had to be in the movie, which was the internal dialogue between, between him and the. And the yeah, I thought it was him. terrible. It is. I mean, it's Ven- <laughs> here's the thing: Venom is a bad movie, but. Yeah. 
unlike a lot of other bad superhero movies that have come out in the last five or so years, Venom's fun. Yeah, I was able to watch it all the way. Like through. and I was a captive on a plane, but still. But it's like, but it's not. You don't have a bad. It's not you're sitting there like I sat all the way through Batman versus Superman, thinking, what the fuck am right. I watching? <laughs> like, why are you doing this yeah. to me? Everyone no, involved right. in was, this film. It was but that Venom bad, is like yeah. Venom's cheesy and stupid, it's but passable, it's like you have a good you know. time. Like it's not. It's yep. not. It's not like a. It's not insulting. You know. It's not. It doesn't feel like you're being forced through this death march through this terrible like series of bad decisions it just feels like it's a kind of a cheesy throwback movie and let me also note venom made more money than any every x-men movie there is no x-men movie fox has ever made that made more what? money than venom venom made wow. more money than all every single x-men movie wow that's crazy so venom was a giant hit that's so, nuts so that might have bought sony pictures a little bit of leeway yeah um, but like that was, the, I would have been more willing to believe the Take Two rumor if uh, I had, if that was sort of a thing that was in play, because then Sony would have an influx of cash. They'd be able to sort of move to something else that they think is right. a better investment. And frankly, buying Take Two probably would be a better a investment way better than holding investment. on to Sony yeah, Pictures. It would. But um, <laughs> what are you gonna that's do? just my opinion <laughs> as someone who has had to watch a lot of Sony Pictures. So what have we learned through this? Anything? Because I don't feel Check like Check your anyone... sources, damn yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the guy who issued the original report at MarketWatch screwed up big time. Yeah. But I'm talking about, like, the games industry. Have we learned anything that we... Is there anything that happened here that we can learn from? Or is it just one of those situations where no matter what, this was going to happen? Um, I think... I mean, check your sources... Not just as the guy who wrote the Market Watch article, but as someone the guy who's who reading the info along, or someone who's reading these articles. You know, figure yeah. out where it goes. You know, don't just read it and you know that's true of every, all news these days. Is like follow it to the end. Figure out where the source is. Click the links in the in the in the article and fix see where they go. Does it go to a you know an actual source that has some kind of backup or some kind of information source? But it on did. It? it went to or Market Watch. It, yeah, like but, Mar the most reliable but where do you, where do you go from beyond Market Watch? Where does Market Watch take you? Well, he's the guy who broke the story. Right, but where did he come? Where did it come from? And then eventually you do that research, and that's where you get the oh, you got it from nothing. But okay. he didn't share that. Like he's just he just not immediately. He just like, reported it. Like no, yeah, but if that's as far as it goes, don't believe it until you see some actual proof. It's like the, you know that's that's not really all that much better than you know you click through like three iterations of a story being re. Reported in the original sources, one guy on Reddit. You yeah. know, like that's basically yeah. what happened here. Kind of, yeah. It was just, it's you know, it was a much more reliable version of Reddit, I guess. It, it, was, it was a stock tip kind of thing. But um, I mean, Market Watch. Market Watch is reliable. You can't get a better source for financial news. I mean, yeah, but at this, well, I don't know. Maybe Wall Street Journal. Maybe. Yeah, but like, what I'm saying is, if it seems too crazy to be true. Uh, that's what we've hold learned back. again hold if on if something sounds too good to be true it's probably not true although and to be fair a whole a bunch lot of, of people would is, say this was not good news <laughs> yeah but, but i mean too good to be true in the sense that it's like a story that sets the world on fire right you know i mean yeah i mean you don't have to, you don't have to like it to think it's like holy crap this is you know if it's something that you know if, like, like, if this is true this will be like one of the top three stories of the year for the game industry oh it would have been like, the biggest acquisition just, in the history of just games. hold on yeah. Like, wait a bit. Wait a minute. Like, wait, let's see. Let's see what happens first. I unless, can't think unless you have a direct source coming out and saying, like, Sony's sitting there. It's like, yeah, we're buying this motherfucker. Like, that's different. Okay. You mean a direct? You mean you, so? You're saying only believe it if you have a direct quote from the parties involved. Early, like that early on. Yeah. Let the story. Let it develop. Wait and see what happens. Because there's people in this in this industry that are going to do that that legwork. They're going to find out. And we found. Sure enough, we found out in like hours. Yeah. Right. It was in hours. Like, oh, this probably isn't actually anything. 
Um, I wish I could have heard the conversation Pack had with that guy. Oh, that would have been <laughs> a lot of fun. I mean, I'm sure you'll get to, to hear. be a fly on the wall. You may not get to tell us tell us about it, but I bet you'll hear I some will stories. Hear, I will yeah. absolutely hear the story, <laughs> and I will absolutely not be able to share it with you guys. I'm sorry. Um, maybe Pack will decide to tell the story because it is his company. Yeah, get the, get those questions in. Seriously, for Factor Factor. No, yeah, the next round of Factor Factor. Remember this and ask it. You, I mean, worst thing he can say is just, I won't yeah, answer it. Just take two, Umer. Yep. What's the deal, man? Yeah, like, like, I mean, it's, it was the guy was from Wedbush, so yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean. It was a fun ride. It was fun. Yeah. And for 24 hours, just thinking about it, what the possibilities were. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I came to the conclusion that it would have been an absolutely, I think, genius move. I think it would have just set PS5 up to dominate next generation, um, but was not meant to be. No, that's a, that's a, that was still a bold bet. Yeah. Even if it had, I mean, if it paid off, you know, whoever made that decision would have been set for life yeah. uh, in the corporate world. Absolutely. Um, but, uh I don't know. I just, I, it, you're kind of risking too much on that as, as Sony. Um, ironically, if I feel like if, if the rumor had been about Nintendo, I might have believed it a little more uh, in, terms of, in terms of the war chest. You mean if Nintendo buying Take Two? Take Two, oh, okay. yeah. Because I Nin- thought you were saying Sony buying Nintendo. Nintendo, I just, I'm, I'm, Nintendo like, has so much damn cash on hand. It does. That they could like, finagle something like that. What whereas, is it like, ever going to do with all that money? I don't know. What is it gonna do? I mean, you gotta spend. What do you? It's like you already have I mean, a mound of money so big you could never spend it all. Well, some of it's going, you know, constantly goes in R and D on things we just never see. Yeah. But like, I mean, part of it's because you know, in, because like, you know, average salary at Nintendo eighty thousand a year. Right, but also you're looking at like situations where like, this is why when the Wii U happens, Nintendo doesn't Nintendo doesn't go the way of Sega. Right. Yeah. You know, like. I mean, they have enough money to survive, like, 10 Wii U. They do. They do. But, like, that's cool. Yeah. You know, they're still, they're <laughs> cool. still doing fine. They're still paying yeah. out for their shareholders. They're, yeah, yeah. they're doing everything a company needs to do. And if they want to hold that war chest for the sake of security or whatever, more power to them. Like, but that's just not Sony's situation. So yeah. Sony would have to, you know, Sony have to, you know, rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic a little. I mean, honestly, order, Nintendo order. could acquire a lot. Yeah. I mean, it could absolutely make some gigantic moves for content. That could, and maybe Nintendo is finally starting to realize that content is king, like everybody else is realizing. I mean, software sales on the Switch should teach you that pretty quick. Right. Yeah, I mean, it should know better than anybody. I mean, the hardware is doing well, but it's the, you know, the money, hand, the hand over fist money is coming from, you know, from the software sales, which absolutely. have this crazy attach rate. Both first party and third party. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about something that's going to happen next week. And this is a case of a rumor that absolutely was true. Uh, so next week at GDC, and I'm sure we'll be talking about GDC on the show in next week's episode, uh, going down all week in San Francisco. Uh, next week on Tuesday, the 19th, Google will be unveiling its Project Yeti gaming initiative. So it is happening. Google, one of the biggest tech companies in the world, is coming into the game space. And I highly doubt that they're going to half-step into the game space, um, along with this teaser mm-hmm. trailer that we're seeing right now that teases the uh, big event for next week. Well, they uh, picked up Jade. It announced that it picked up Jade Raymond. Yeah. And we've been talking on this show. We knew she was going to go somewhere. Didn't think she was going to go there. No, but, but I'm sure she's wow. glad she went there. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure they're <laughs> glad they got her. 
Holy cow. I guarantee you she's making like double the money she made anywhere else. Yeah, plus she's not at EA anymore. Right. She's got to yeah. be a bonus. Because Ubisoft um, notoriously underpays. Yeah. That's just kind of a known thing around the industry that Ubisoft does not pay as well as other publishers, at least for people who work for Ubisoft here in the States anyway. I don't know about Europe. Uh, uh, but here in the well, States... She, well, she was in Canada. So right. Yeah, well, I don't know North what that's America. Like yeah, who knows? I think it depends. Like, if you're at Ubisoft and you're in Toronto, you got to be paid pretty well. You can't live in Toronto. Yeah, it's an expensive city for sure. Um, so she left there, went to EA, only stayed at EA for, was it even a year? A little over that, I want to say. Was it over a year? Yeah. I, I'm, it I'm was just, a year-ish. Here, I'm just gauging by how long I've waited for more Star Wars news. So, yeah, yeah, it's around that. And so now she's going to Google to head up their gaming initiative. Do you think that's a good hire? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, she's, Jade can make good games. She's a she's a very good Can product. she run a platform? Yes. Really? Yes. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, the people I know at Ubisoft who worked under her and worked under her when she was running multiple projects say that, yes, yeah. she can definitely do that. I don't know. I'm not sold on that yet. Well, I, the, I well, love Jade. Well, the people I know who worked with her for years are completely sold on it. Interesting. So, uh, okay. I'm going to go with them. Yeah, but she's never worked on a platform before. That's com- it's apples and oranges. Completely different. You're making games. You're running an entire platform. And I believe you. I believe she's a great manager and people like working for her and working under her. That doesn't mean she has any experience working and growing and succeeding with a platform. Yeah, but she's been in the game industry for how long? I'm sure she has her own ideas about what would make a decent Not as long platform. as we've been in the games industry. Well, I don't want her job, so she's welcome <laughs> to it. But I'm just saying, I mean, she hasn't been in it that long. I mean, she appeared really well in her whole adult life. Six. She's been in it longer than that. She just became to prominence around the time of Assassin's no, Creed. No, no, no. She was in her early twenties whenever she first came on the scene. She couldn't have been in it much longer. Mm, she was on that Assassin's Creed team for a long time. They yeah. took them seven years to make the, the first, first Creed. Assassin's came Creed. out two thousand seven. Yeah, so around two thousand. Started, they started it on two th- in two thousand. Yeah. Like, early, earliest, like, hey, could we maybe actually do this sort right. of thing. Right, just text like When stuff. it was still a Prince of Persia, I think. Right, yeah. Um, uh, no, I don't I mean, you're still looking at, like, almost 20 years of experience on her end and uh, making some of the most uh, successful things that Ubisoft put out at the time. And honestly, we don't even know. She's, like, vice president. That's mm-hmm. all we know. We don't know if she's just heading up the software side or if she's heading up the whole platform. Yeah, well, so maybe also- we should... We I also don't actually know what VP means at Google, right. really. I don't know a lot about yeah. the Google hierarchy. Yep. Because um, v- VP can everywhere. mean almost anything, depending on what company you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but I think she's a good pick. I think she's a good hire. I think she's... I think she's su- a great hire, no matter what job you put her in. She's super but- smart. She knows her stuff. She's made some of the... You know, she, she's made stuff that pushed things forward. Uh, I'm sure she had a lot of really cool ideas about what a Star Wars game should be that we will never frickin' see now. Right. Um, <laughs> And I, you know, I've liked pretty much everything she's ever worked on. So uh, yeah. I would consider that a very good get on Google's part if they are. I mean, who knows? Look, one person cannot make this whole initiative a success because you know I've worked on enough things that were supposed to be some big, crazy, ambitious thing at one of these like you know major companies that ends up getting torpedoed by the fact that the major company doesn't really understand what they're getting into. Yeah. Um, whether it's like, we don't know how to, pr- we, ha- we know how to make this thing, but we don't know pr- how to promote it, or we know what we want to do, but we don't understand how expensive that actually is. Like, you run into these weird pitfalls where, like, you know how to do what you need to do, but the company you've ended up with didn't quite understand the ramifications of what it's going to take to do that. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that Google being... Google is willing to 
you know, give her and whoever else is working with her what they need to make this an actual thing, an actual competitor, an actual platform that people aren't just going to like, you know, something that's not the next N-Gage, you know what I mean? Like yeah. something that's not like a stillborn Ouya situation. I, I will say this. <coughs> remember the Ouya? Yeah, I, I have do remember that. I have an with my fucking gamer tag. Well, on. we're about to look at money. Google's controller in a minute, and that might remind some people of the Ouya. A little bit, <laughs> yes. That's a, that's a good, good callback, yes. But uh, I did think of that. When I, I, saw I will say this. Thing. I think Google is going about things the right way by launching it at GDC. Or at least launching the initiative at GDC. Yeah, you're, 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 definitely, you're definitely presenting it to the people who need to be excited about you it You need first. to get them on board. Yeah. And ironically, they're debuting the console at GDC, the same place that where Iwata went and said that mobile gaming is the devil and you should mm. never get into it. But also where the Xbox was debuted. Yeah, yeah. With that and door. I think the Revolution was debuted at GDC. Uh, or you showed the controller, I think. They showed the controller for the first time at TGS. TGS? Because we were there for that. Yeah. Uh, but I think the project was first, like, acknowledged there, yeah. if I remember right. So they're going about it the right way, because you go to GDC, it's the Game Developers Conference. It is the biggest get-together of video game developers in the world, purely mm-hmm. for them to get together. Uh, it's a place where people go to try to get jobs in the industry. By the way, if you're, if you're a budding developer and you're trying to get a gig... You should buy a ticket to San Francisco right now. Um, you, no better place to get a job as a developer than going yeah, to it's, GDC. It's, it is part job fair, and yeah. uh, it's a good place to be, especially if you're like a student who has like a portfolio or, or something to show, either art-wise or coding-wise. Yep. Like you know, they're they're there. You know, the companies are there to look at new talent. To some, to, that's part of the thing. Yeah, they have tables set up there, recruiting tables to meet mm-hmm. people. So if you're a budding game developer, GDC should be number one on your list. Of places to visit, especially if you have like something like a game, if you're like an indie thing, like if you made like a quick little game, put your even, demo on a thumb drive. Yeah, put it on there and give them something. You know, that's the most important thing is have something someone can look at, play, and say, and you know, you don't. They'll have, meet a lot of people. Don't just have an idea, week. right? Like have yeah. an actual thing <laughs> they can put their hands on, yeah. whether it's a game that they can play, or whether even if it's like if you want to be a writer or you want to be a scenario designer, if you've made like an RPG maker game, like that that's a thing. Yeah. Like that's not a, not nothing. Got to take assets. Or if you're an art, if you want to do art, have that you know have that beautiful portfolio. Make sure you have science fiction in it. Um, that's a thing I've heard is like art. People go for like art portfolio evaluations, and a lot of times because Game of Thrones is so big, like they're focused on fantasy. Right. But like. Or just because they like fantasy. Or because they like <laughs> fantasy. It's like but but I know like Game of Thrones is a big influence for several yeah. years because it's so huge. Makes but like. Sense. You know, and they're like, you know, some people were like, yeah, I looked at these things and they're great. They look really good. But I need you to make like Blade Runner. You know, I need to know you can do Blade Runner for our game. So many games are more science fiction oriented that that's an important thing to keep in mind. There's a big difference, too. Uh, We don't know much about the initiative. Obviously, we're going to talk about it on next week's show when it's all completely unveiled. But as I mentioned earlier, the one thing that has been shown is the controller. So, Sam, bring it up. Here it is. So this actually is not the Google controller. This is a controller that was modeled by someone based upon a patent. And Sam, if you can flip to that one that has the patent. There you go. Mm. So he basically just modeled the controller based upon the patent that Google put out. Google initially filed this patent in 2014 and then updated it in January. So they've had the the tech on lock for a while. And they did provide some information on the controller. I'm going to just read it for you very quickly. Um, The controller is powered by a processor and onboard memory that acts as the literal controller for the entire gaming setup. It could feature a display, which is not featured in the patents or on the mock-up. 
that receives notifications for game advice, chat messages, or other related content via an audio and or visual cue. Um, I, I just want to say right now that I think PlayStation 5, Xbox 2 are probably both going to have screens on their controllers. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the next thing. The controller is going to be more than just a controller. It's going to yet again be a communication device. Yet again, Sega 20 years ahead of their time. No, you're right. With no with advantage to doing yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, with the VMU. The VMU. Um, connectivity between the controller and the host device will be via USB, Bluetooth, and Wi-Fi. Um, upon interacting with the notification, the controller launches the game or chat app on the connected host device, which could be a television monitor, a tablet, or a smartphone. According to the patent, if there are multiple host devices, users can decide which launches the game right from the controller's screen. Onboard memory can be used to store a user's account, uh, TV settings, volume preferences, and other settings as a password. The patent envisions users entering particular key combinations using the controller's buttons. So what do you think about all that? Uh, it's a neat presentation. I don't know if it's something's going to get any traction. Yeah. Where is the console? Yeah. Well, they, they said there, there is going to be hardware. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be like through the internet or whatever. There's going to be some physical piece of hardware that they have to sell with the controller. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like the controller is kind of the real innovative thing here, other than yeah. Yeti, obviously, and it's the streaming stuff. But the controller sounds like the innovation here. It's basically mm-hmm. a controller that they've designed from the ground up to use with multiple screens, which we haven't really had that yet. Every mm-hmm. every controller we have for consoles right now is concentrated on that console, that TV. Yeah, it does feel like, um, I guess there will be hardware, but it does feel like kind of, Sounds like Google's been watching Pactor Factor. Yeah, it basically. really does. Like, it's like yeah. it's like it feels like the first step towards what he talks about all the time. With there will be no hardware; it will just be your devices, and you'll play it on anything you want. Well, the fact that because the controller if, itself has a processor right, and memory the, in it. If the controller is kind of the common denominator there, that makes a lot more sense. I mean, imagine if they did something like what Nintendo did with the Wii U, where mm-hmm. you have a controller that's sending the signal through the air to the TV. And in that case, you wouldn't even need any hardware or console. The whole console is just the controller. Mm-hmm. And it has all the, the information in it. Maybe you need a little sensor yeah. well, that, you, I mean, that, that you plug in your HDMI for. I mean, it's whatever. also basically the Switch, Yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, you need the dock, and it doesn't quite do the same thing, but like it's the same idea. It's, it is. Similar it's, concept. It's, it's sort of moving in that, in that area. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's going to depend what the library is with the with what it can support um like am i gonna buy that over like a playstation 5 because no because i want to play god of war 5 yeah, god i don't war think 2. that's their idea like, though i don't but, think like whatever this is feels like it's gonna be for more of a it's for the candy crush crowd yeah sort of yeah like, it's gonna be like oh i can just pick this thing up and play whatever i want on whatever screen and i can send it to whatever I'm screen i want that's kind of cool yeah i mean as long as they make it like really idiot proof yeah you know, what's like, google Right. They're usually pretty good at that. You would hope. Yeah. Uh, the colors on the side of that D-pad are going to wear off in like a week. I, I don't um, know if that's final. I think that the it's guy... It's just who, a mock-up. Yeah, yeah, I think the guy who did I, the mock-up I'm not a fan just... of putting the analog sticks there. Um, I don't... I mean, I'm, I've gotten used to it on the DualShock, but I, that's not where I like the analog sticks to be. I prefer... like, I prefer, I prefer skewed. Le- leave that image up real quick, Sam. I want to... Uh, we, if you look at the buttons on this, though, it has buttons that other console controllers don't have like it has a button to send messages and emails that presumably just pops mm. up an email and message app it has a hamburger menu on the other button 
Obviously, because this thing's going to be working yeah. with all these different the operating Xbox systems. Has that too. Does what? Has the little hamburger thing. Little, little, the line. You're right, thing. it does have a hamburger. Yeah, you're right, it does, on that little dinky I don't button. know why. This generation is kind of the beginning of where nobody wants to call everything start and select anymore. Right, right. It has a push-to-talk button, which is a little odd. Or maybe that's just an LED letting you know that your headset's working. I mean, if there's really going to be a screen in there, I feel like the whole center of this controller is up for grabs. Yeah, you're right. We, yeah. we don't really know what we're looking at yet. Yep. Um, I mean, that could be. In it, it feels like an interesting thing to see. Um, but I, th I think there. I ha I certainly have skepticism of anyone trying to enter the market, uh, especially after the Ouya. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this is very similar to Ouya. Yeah. I mean, Ouya was a mobile console, basically. Yeah. Um, now maybe didn't stream. Maybe but... Google has a better idea. I'm or, guessing or, it does. Or maybe they don't. I don't know. <laughs> my my only guess would be that like I if what they had was dumb or or felt like a dead end or seemed like something that was just not going to have any kind of ability to gain traction, I don't think Jade Raymond would have joined them. Yep. I mean the fact that she joined up is a huge yeah. like huge that's, win a, that's on many levels. That's a Jade being part of it is a giant um, confidence boost. Credibility I mean. building. Yeah, credibility too. as yeah. well. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So we'll learn more on Tuesday. Uh, we'll have it curated on Sifted, the live stream. They are live streaming their big keynote. I believe it's at 10 a.m. Pacific on Tuesday. Uh, but we have stuff all over Sifted already about it. You can just use the search and look for Google, and you can find all the information that you need about it. But it's Tuesday morning. Uh, it'll be live, and they'll be uh, streaming it out to everybody. And we'll talk about it next week when we have more details. Uh, let's move along. We're going to talk next about Halo Infinite. We haven't talked much about this game on Game Face since it was announced because there just hasn't been any reason to. Yeah. They have not. They've put out one trailer for this game. Mm -hmm. One. That debut trailer that's like a minute long, and we're going to see it here. Um, and then they put out like a making of the trailer yeah. like shortly after that. And that's all we've got from this. So all the other information we've got from Halo Infinite has basically been mm -hmm. from leaks. And this is from what? Two years ago, almost? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I believe at the time, called it. Uh, I thought this was way, way out when they first showed it because they had, they they had work to do. You and did call this quite a while they, ago, they, I knew that they had to basically reinvent Halo after what Halo 5 was. Um, which, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I mean, There's a lot of frank, Halo in this episode, actually. We're going to talk about other Halo later on. Take all the time you need, frankly. Um, I, You're not saving the Xbox One with it at this point. No, so. I, don't, I don't think we're seeing this as an Xbox One. It's certainly not only on the Xbox right, One. Right, yeah. I mean, if this isn't going to like suddenly reverse the fortunes of Xbox One against PS4. No. This is this is a bet for this on is, down the road. absolutely a bet for the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, so, if, it's, if it is indeed, as they say, going to be a game as a service, it seems like something you're tr going to try to carry across the generation. So we should shift. explain why we're, why we're saying it's going to be a game as a service. So Kiki Wolfkill, yeah, you may, you saw her. her no, actually, yeah. we never got her video. One, of the, one, one of the few people in the industry with a cooler name than Jade Raymond. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she is the head of 343 Studios. We actually tried to get her on Pack 100. And I went back and forth with her like 20 times, and she never sent the video. So yeah. she's a very busy woman. Yes. Uh, she did an interview this past week. Was it with Fortune Magazine? I think it was. Yeah. Maybe. I think it was Fortune. And she was talking about Halo Infinite, and they're asking her, you know, what's the future for the Halo franchise? And basically she said that we need to create something that lives on for a long time. 
We infinitely. Can't, infinitely. Yeah. And I think that's a hint, too. I think that's yeah. part of it. Oh, yeah. She said, we cannot keep living by the standard of every three, year, three years you put out this box product and you go through the whole mm. process of that. So basically, Halo Infinite is named Infinite because it's probably going to be the last Halo. Halo is going to become a platform and mm. it's going to be something that's just iterated on and added to for years and years to come. Uh, she specifically said years and years to come. Uh, how do you feel about this, Matt? I mean, it feels like probably the right move, but like we hear that so often with you know like the whole like you know Anthem is just the beginning of your of our ten year support. It's like I mean, right. okay, like that might be the plan, but if it doesn't work, then you're not. I mean, I, th I feel like Halo's got a better shot at than Anthem does. Um, like I think that's a pretty good idea. I, I do like the idea on a very conceptual level of a game like this where you don't have to keep starting over. You know, like like you you play this thing and it keeps evolving and it they add stuff and build can, a brand new engine get, just for it. Yeah, you get like maybe you get some free stuff. Maybe there's stuff you can buy to add on. Like and oh, it's been two years. Here's another campaign like for twenty nine ninety nine or something like. Like I think that's cool. I think that I like, like the idea too. I, I'm in, yeah. I'm into that, especially for something like Halo, which I feel um, has had a lot of a it had a lot of trouble staying fresh and b having a lot of trouble like continuing to strike when the proverbial iron is hot yeah um which i don't mean as a forge joke but like <laughs> but it's there if you want nice it one. <laughs> um like i you know and i also like what they've done with the master chief collection which sort of is that sort of idea of more of like a looking backwards thing yeah. whereas this is a looking forwards idea of the same thing where there's this there's this place on your xbox or your pc where you go and that's where all the halo stuff is and where all the halo stuff will be and it's just sort of, you know, and they've tried to do that. Yeah, like the Halo hub or the Waypoint, Halo right. Waypoint. Yeah, that, that didn't called. last long. That didn't hold out for too long. Yeah. And partly because it was a bunch of clunky garbage. Yeah. But, like, there's something there. Like, the, the, the concept is sound. They just have to execute on it. Do you think it's possible to make a big event out of a game? So, say they do that. Um, two years after they release Infinite, they're like, okay, we build a brand new campaign. We're going to launch it for 30 bucks. Is it possible to build the same level of hype doing that as you could if this was going to be instead instead of having that having a numbered Halo come out? Yeah, I think so. Also, I think like you can still number them. You just you have them in in, in Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite is sort of the environment, the platform, like you said. You can still put Halo 6 on Halo Infinite. Yeah. If you want to keep using I guess the thing is that I think you're at the point where you don't want to keep numbering the games. Because yeah. the, the numbers, once you get to 6, I feel like you're just sort of in like a weird, like, yeah. really? Like <laughs> it is a little, it does get a little. I mean, it's, like, it's different with like something like Final Fantasy where they reinvent it every time they make the game. Yeah. Um, That's not happening with Halo. So, the, so to speak. But it, and also, like, I feel like Halo 4 and Halo 5... Um, Campaign-wise, have poisoned the well a little bit. Like I don't, uh, I don't want to play Halo 6's campaign because I'm like, now what's Halo 5 now was a little doing? better, but not um, a lot, not much. Like it's, it's uh, you're still f sort of lolling about in that problem where it's like, are you gonna tell a story eventually? Because you haven't for two games. Like right. you just sort of yeah. sat there and teased the idea of Cortana going crazy. But then nothing really happened. Like, yeah. And uh, I, I just feel like they need to move it forward. They need to, you know, in terms of the story, in terms of the mythos. Because that's the thing. is like it's, it's easy to forget now that there was a time 
when Halo was like the most like mystique driven yeah. narrative narrative experience yeah. in the industry. It was it's like crazy to think it, about. You know, like now it's just all ham fisted. Yeah, now it's just like, well, I hope the multiplayer is good because the story's garbage. <laughs> it's true. And like, you yep. know, and you forget there's a time when like it was all about like what's gonna happen, how are they gonna Oh do man, it? the anticipation when, gonna for Halo two and you like, had all you had all of uh, Marty O'Donnell's music like setting the tone. Like they've they, you know they've lost that. Well think about hard. it. They used to name the games after the story. Yeah. I mean, and all the marketing was about the story. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to Chief? What's going to happen to Cortana? And after a while... Finish the fight. Yeah, exactly. Finish the fight. Like, the story used to be how they promoted the game. Not anymore. It used to be finish the fight. Now it's like, the fight will last forever. (laughs) (laughs) The fight will never finish. How do you feel about that, though? I mean, are you okay with just Halo becoming a platform? Like, I feel like I lose a little something without this big three-year build-up to the new Halo that comes out and then everybody consumes it and the opinions fly everywhere. Yeah. I just don't think as a game as a service you get that same impact. For, well, first off, I don't care um, as long as I get decent, good content regularly. Personally, I don't care. Second, you and I are going to know well enough we're going to download it, but what about make, making money for Microsoft? I think it's fine. Like if you know, All you need to do is run the advertising campaign uh you know however same as you always do and then like just saturate the damn you know pop pop up thing when everybody turns their xbox on because yeah. that's your main audience um you know you can bundle you do some bundles like do you the, still you know, sell it as a packaged game i don't know because think about it we've never had a game as a service where well i guess destiny one did it put out disc versions of the yeah i have the disc version of destiny okay 1. so they have done it before then um yeah, I mean, Bungie did it. That was a long time ago, though. I mean, like, I do think, like, it, you know, stuff like uh, The Taken King and uh, Forsaken uh, did get people playing again. You know, yeah. Like, like, you know, you can make those into events. You can make those into something that people come back and play again and try. And, like, obviously, I don't think it convinces new thing. people to come back and play, though. That's yeah. the problem. Well, that's what I mean is, like, Forsaken wasn't really p- pushing it like that. But, like, if you push the neck, you know, if you're called, just call the campaign something cool just call it halo 6 or whatever yeah, call it halo 6 or call it halo colon thing whatever you know like yeah. whatever your subtitle whatever halo origin i don't care like whatever dumb and like just run the ads on the nfl games with that on it and it's like you know on you know on halo infinite right now i like, go load it up right now on your xbox it's right there you know i just feel like for the average joe it gets a little confusing. Okay, well, the average Joe either can't understand how online platforms work, or they know that Take Two means that that GTA is going to be exclusive eight years later. Like one, <laughs> like they, they're either dumb or they're not. Like, but and I, mean, I think the people, one thing, though, is the I think people Joe understand. Does know Halo? Yeah, yeah but they I think, know Halo. They I, know Grand Theft Auto. They know Madden. I think they what can figure out that the thing, the thing there that says, I think they can figure out that the thing that says Halo on their Xbox is how they can play the new Halo. Like that's I don't think that's a problem. Um, that sort of like you know incremental update thing is is sort of uh, integral to how mobile gaming works, and mobile gaming is more universal to people than console gaming at this point. So if you want to push Halo kind of in the direction of being that sort of update driven thing, as long as you still have like a national ad campaign that makes it a big deal, that makes it something you see on NBA games and NFL games, and makes it like. You know, I think I think the venue of when you're being marketed to is as important these days as how you get the content. For sure, yeah. So I think if they continue to push it as a big deal, it will be a big deal. I just the think- question I think is more: Is the Xbox of the next generation going to be able to make headway against 
what Nintendo and Sony are throwing up in its that's, path. That's my point. And the, because the thing is, the people that, look, preaching to the choir is easy. Mm-hmm. Getting you and I to buy it and jump on whatever platform and make our way through it and figure out what we want to buy and then buy it, not a problem. But Microsoft needs the casual folks to come back to Xbox. I mean, that's what it's lost with Xbox One, pretty much. It mm-hmm. lost all those casual people who only buy a few games. They all went and bought PS4 this time. So it, to me, it sounds a little counterintuitive to kind of gum up your biggest IP. I don't think they're doing that. I think you make Halo Infinite's launch is going to be as big as Halo 6 or whatever you want to call it is. And it's got the advantage of not being called Halo 6 because, you know, there's sort of a conventional wisdom. You don't want to keep jumping in. You know, people that maybe haven't been paying attention to Halo for a long time because it will, will have been a long time when Infinite finally comes yeah, out. Yeah, it will be. Yep. Halo won't have been a forefront thing for a long time. Um I think I think the advantage there is that Halo Infinite feels like a new thing you can jump into and will be kind of a flagship thing for the new Xbox. I guarantee you there will be bundles. You know, of course there will be bundles for every Halo has a bundle. Now Halo Infinite will come. I'm sure it will just be a code, but, like, that's what they are now. You know, like Spider-Man, I think Spider-Man is just a code. Yeah. When you, when it, when you got that PS4 Pro. Yep. Um, Isn't it I, interesting how much they focus on animals in this trailer? I mean, it's obviously going to be an open-world game. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. And that's going to be a big change for Halo as well. Um, It looks like an open-world game that spans multiple worlds. Yeah, it does. Which is, by the way, um, I know they're not Bungie anymore. It's 343, but, like, um, you know, there's a pedigree there. Yeah. Uh, And that is very much, like, looking at this stuff reminds me very much of um, uh, uh, Marathon Infinity. Which most people will not know yeah. because it was only on Mac. Right. Uh, but it was the third Marathon game, and Marathon Infinity was kind of the conclusion of the trilogy. Marathon Two Durandal ends with like kind of a cliffhanger sort of thing. Marathon Infinity has you jumping through multiple time periods, multiple locations, thousands of years apart in places. You have to kind of piece together where what the timeline is. There's moments where you're talking to characters that are in the future and have already met the future version. Things that haven't happened to you in the game yet have already happened to them. So they're referring to things that you don't know about yet because they've right. met you at another time on the point of the time. It's one of the most like ridiculous time travel like recursive <laughs> loop things I've ever seen in any form of fiction. And Halo Infinite kind of going in that similar direction. Like that's a that's an interesting getting back to the roots idea, both in terms of what Bungie used to do and what like the you know where Halo started out, kind of coming out of that marathon tradition, and also sort of opening up the universe of Halo to be like, we can go anywhere. Yeah. We can do anything we want. We are not constricted by these like weird little stories. It doesn't matter that the Covenant Earth War is over. We could go back to that if we wanted, if we go through this this Stargate or whatever. You know, there's a lot of Stargate stuff happening here. It looks like yeah. there are those big rings. Uh-huh. Um, you open that up to any kind of possibility, you know, and maybe you're not even looking at, uh, for a while, launching... You know, Halo 7 or whatever. Maybe you're looking at, like, uh, this Stargate is active now. Oh, this Stargate is like a whole... It'd be like adding a planet in Destiny. Right. You know, like something yeah. like that. Um, you could do that. Like, you could you could, you could, could easily make Halo that and get at least some segment of the population excited about it again. And that's not even counting, in, you know, bringing in the inevitable multiplayer mode that would hopefully be as engaging as any any of the best Halo multiplayer modes. That's probably the, that's the other big hurdle 
Well, the um, best thing they can do is just make sure the game's about Master Chief. Right. And they've already said that they're doing that. So that is the biggest step that they can take to get Halo back on its Master feet. Chief through the centuries. Yeah, is, I mean, whatever. Is, yeah. As long as he's in the game and he's the focal point of the game, they already have a leg up. So mm-hmm. they're on the right track. When do you think we're going to see this? E3 this year? Like, actually see, like actually see gameplay of it? I mean, we kind of have to see it, don't, don't we? I don't know if we have to see it. I think yeah. we, I think we might see, like, we might get like a little presentation of like kind of what Halo Infinite is going to be. They already did that. So if you watch yeah, but the I think making we'll, of, yeah, but a, I think we'll we'll get more of a, you know, you know what I mean. Like you know where they stand like up on the stage doc, and they yeah. sort of like go through what we're doing and what we're looking at and what this will be and what our goal is. Show for people this, working whatever. on computer terminals. You'll see like few, cl- <laughs> yeah, like this. You see a few clips of gameplay or whatever it's supposed to be. You'll be like, oh, it'll be enough, and, you know, enough for like people to dissect and talk about for four hours on the live streams afterwards right. or whatever. Um, but I think we might, I think in terms of like real Halo focus, we're, we're going to be looking at the Master Chief Collection news uh, at E3. We're going to be looking at that on this show here in about I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you Because I'm pretty sure Halo Infinite is fall 2020. Um, at the earliest, so and I would not be surprised if it launched right alongside the next system, whenever that happens to end up being, because the big game in terms of shooty shooty man kill uh, this year is Gears of War Five. It also makes me wonder too, though, if you know if you're trying to push the Xbox Two or whatever, you need people to know hey, this next Halo game like yeah, big time. They'll do that next year. Yeah, I don't know if that's enough time though. Plenty of time. Yeah, it's months. It's months and months. Yeah, Bethesda would say we only need two weeks, but... Well, Bethesda is a whole other question. But, I mean, the the mainstream audience doesn't have a memory, doesn't have an awareness of things like this until that last month run-up. You know, I I tell the story several times, but it's like, you know, we used to have a regular football Sunday where we just talk about nerd stuff more than watch the football games. But we would watch them, and this one girl came to that every Sunday. It was 2015. Came to all every Sunday, all through football season. And then... Uh, right after Thanksgiving, we were sitting around at, at the play, and they ran one of the first like TV commercials for The Force Awakens. And she looks at it and goes, oh, wow, they're making a new Star Wars movie? <laughs> We've been talking about The Force Awakens for three months straight. And there. She just, she just, yeah, in front of her, she just kind of tuned out the nerds talking about the Star Wars. Stuff. But she had, no, she had no idea. Right. And she's yeah. the person who made that movie a $2 no, billion right. dollar success, right. the people like her. Yep. Um, so the people that really make these things mainstream hits they don't know. They yeah. don't follow this stuff. They don't pay attention. They find out when they see it on the sporting event commercials, you know, or the or the soap opera commercials or the talk show commercials or whatever, the news commercials, like whatever they're, whatever you watch mainstream on TV or, or, or after the fact, that's when you see that and that's when you learn about it. Yeah, I was just, I was actually referencing more in this case, not the casual folks, the people who are the early adopters who buy a console. Oh, we are all going to know about it one way or the other. It doesn't matter. We already know about it. I just it. think that they need to convince the core gamers to switch. Well, they have two E3s to do that. Right, that's why I said that they may show it this year. I just think we're going to get real vague stuff this yeah. year, if we, if we get it at all, and they're not just sort of more about touting Master Chief Collection and sort of the completion of that and the moving of it and stuff, because... Wow, did that make a splash that I didn't expect it to? Yeah, uh, that announcement. But hey, great! Like the you know, it proves people still care. Yeah, like the 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 audience is there if they can get this thing into something that that people are interested in and aren't just going to sort of instantly dismiss as yet another games as a service, you know, attempt. Because, oh, by then, because look, the skepticism surrounding that is is at an all time high right now. I think also by then. The game as a service subgenre will have evolved, right? And so, so three four three will have the ability to watch what other the other mistakes they get to watch Anthem and all this mm-hmm. other stuff 
and learn what not to do. Yeah. So let other people learn for you. If this game indeed does come out in 2020, there will be no excuses. No. If there right. are problems, none. And I think they've also, you know, I mean, they've already been through the the hell gauntlet that was the Master Chief Collection. They screwed that up already. Yeah. And they did go back and fix it, but it took four years. Yeah, we're going to talk um, about that. So uh, I think if there's any company I trust to know they need to get this right, it's 343. Yep. All right. Fingers crossed for them. Yeah. We got plenty of time. Go hire Marty O'Donnell back. <laughs> that would be a good first step. Absolutely. All right. We're going to talk next about Japan. Um, we're going to talk about a game from Japan called Judgment, which is the next game mm. from the team that creates the Yakuza game. Or Judge Eyes, if you want to be yeah. more literal. Um, True. I, I like that name because it doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. You guys may not be aware of Judgment if you're not on Sifted every day. If you're on Sifted, you know everything. And I'm or not if even, you're not I'm a not big even, Yakuza fan. That's not even hyperbole. If you're on Sifted, you know everything. Um, and so this game, Judgment, has only been announced now for, what, about six months? Yeah, well, it's out in Japan. It's out, and it's been released in Japan, but it only been announced about six months before it came out in Japan. Mm-hmm. And a new it, game by the Yakuza team. It looks a lot like Yakuza. Oh, it's, you can tell. Yeah. But it's, it actually has a different angle, and it's an investigative game, which seems crazy. <laughs> this game does not look like a detective game, but that's exactly what it is. It's been getting good reviews in its mm-hmm. initial release in Japan. It's done very well on Sifted. People are very excited about this. In fact, Yakuza in general is like a big game on Sifted. I don't yeah. know why, but our users just... Sifted users are pretty hardcore. They are, yeah. And they love it, and they have been eating up Judgment as well. So it came out in Japan, did pretty well, and then this week happened. Mm-hmm. And things kind of were went into flux. And basically what happened this weekend is, and I want to get the guy's name right, although he'll hate me for getting his name right. Uh, the guy's name is Pierre Taki, although Pierre is not actually his real name. Yeah, it's a stage name. Yeah. He plays the role of, I can't even pronounce that, Kyohei Hamura? Yeah, Kyohei Hamura. Kyohei yeah. Hamura. And he is a captain of one of the crime families in the game. And you're seeing it now. He was arrested this week for cocaine possession and cocaine use in Japan. And in Japan, things are a lot different than they are everywhere else. The drug laws in Mm. Japan are absolutely brutal. For possession and use of cocaine, it appears he is going to do seven years in prison. And all this happened because somebody caught wind that he was using cocaine and called the police and said, hey, I think this guy, this guy may be using coke. And the police went over, and that's all they needed. They went over and searched his house and searched his car. I don't know if they found anything in the search, but they then drug tested him and found that he had cocaine in his system, and he was arrested. And because of this, Sega stopped shipping new copies of the game to retailers and stopped selling the game digitally while it tries to figure out what it's going to do. So right now... And this is not even the first cocaine-related problem that the Yakuza team has had recently. Nope. Because the... Uh, Yakuza 4. Yakuza, Yakuza 4, one of the main characters in that game, the in the in the interim between Yakuza 4 came out and the, and the remake, the remaster came out on PS4, uh, he... 
He didn't even get busted for it. It was just rumors. And that, that was enough. Was and he retired from acting as a result of it. And so they replaced his character in the game with a completely different actor. He looks completely different because they motion capture the face and do everything. So they basically replaced him in the game. They spent the money to replace that actor in the Yakuza 4 PS4 remaster. And he was a big specifically, part. Yeah, you know, he's one of the main characters. He was one of the four protagonists. Like that was not a cheap fix. Nope. If you even want to call it a fix. Ah, fix is a drug reference. Um, <laughs> that is how... How crazy hardcore they are about the drug use thing with celebrities there. It's 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 a completely alien mentality. Well, to what go, we go are. back to that arrest video again, Sam. I mean, how crazy is this? Mm. The, so the guy isn't just a game guy. He's also an actor. Yeah, he's a, these are all like regular actors. That he's an actor. He's also a part of an electronic music duo. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. He yeah. is in a techno group, him and like one of his buddies. And not anymore. So, but anyway, he's not like a triple A celebrity. No. But look no. at what they're doing to him in Japan. Look at this. Could you imagine if like Cliff Blazinski got busted for Coke? And you're watching the news that night, and they have him, like, getting arrested with, like, in the back of a cop car. It's insane. Well, especially because, like, who can't? Like, a celebrity on cocaine? No. Wait, they're all on cocaine. Really? And that's the other. It's like, is he the only one? Come on. Oh, he's no. The only he's just the one that got busted for some reason. He just had a really he, shitty friend, some, basically. Or somebody pissed off a neighbor or right. something. Yeah, and they're like, oh, he's doing coke, and then he just ruined his life. Yeah. He really just ruined his life. So right now, it's dangling out there what is going to happen with the Western version of this game. It was already announced for the West. And typically, with games from the Yakuza team, it's never... Now it kind of is, but for years and years, it was never a certainty that they were coming to the West. And it was a big story when they would be announced for the West. This was announced all along to come here. Mm -hmm. But now Sega, Sega America... I know Sega America is like, we want to release the damn thing. Yeah. Because they live here in this culture. Unfortunately, they have to acquiesce to whatever Sega of Japan says. And right now, Sega of Japan says that the Western release is up in the air. Yeah, well, I think it'll, it'll still make it. It might, they might, have to, it might be delayed. They might have to wait until Sega Japan does whatever they're going to do with this game. To, you know, they're probably going to do a similar thing what they did with the Yakuza 4. They're just going to replace him. Um, and they would have to wait until that's done and in place for the, the Western release to happen. So we might be looking at like a year delay or something on this thing. Do you think the version that has him in it from Japan will be a collector's item. Yes, absolutely. Do you think, so you think people should import that and buy it? If you can get your hands on it, I would. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. That was my first thought when I saw this store. I was yeah. like, oh, I should order that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, and not open it. Probably too late now, but like... I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, it sold okay from what yeah. I've heard. So. I am almost certainly not the first person to think of that. Yeah. So it's been I'm like sure two days. Plenty of gaijin has, yeah. or has called NCX over the last like three yeah. days and, and ordered the game. So, yeah, I mean, so they're going to swap him out is what they're going to do. They're going to replace him it seems in the game. Like and almost he was, a certainty. And yeah. he was not a huge character in this. No, it would, it's not like what they had to do with Yakuza 4. Right. Well, not I say had to. Like, I don't think they had to do this. Like, right. But that's how sensitive it Culturally, is. Culturally, so, it's really yeah. bizarre. By the way, people, pro tip, if you ever go to Japan, do not take drugs. Pretty a good advice for any foreign country you go to, really. But really, especially well, in Japan. Well, not really. Like, you could probably go to Europe and if you get arrested right but I mean don't smuggle drugs on airplanes in general yeah, yeah. Like, but look some people are gonna do it anyway like I mm -hmm. went to a trip to Japan one year and one of my co-workers took weed 
Mm. And I literally almost, like, killed him. I was like, yo, you could go to prison for, like, the rest of your life for that. I was like, throw it away and get rid of it, like, immediately. Like, just don't do it. Um, so you're thinking a year from now we may see this in the West. Yeah, unless Sega of America can somehow convince them that, like, you know, America's not going to care. Like, so just let us release it because we're, you know, they're probably already halfway through localizing it or something. You know, they're, I'm sure they're working on it already. Um, I just, I don't know what the relationship between Sega Japan and Sega of America are anymore because there was a time certainly when Sega of America was just like, you couldn't say anything to Sega Japan. Like, they didn't care. You know, like there was no, no input from Sega of America was required. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like, if Sega of America would even have the the voice to say to them, like, no one over here, A, knows who he is, or B, would care that a celebrity is doing cocaine. Um, so just let us release it and don't worry about it. Um, even then, Sega of Japan could be like, well, we don't want Japanese people importing it back to Japan like to get the original version from the Western version. So we're just going to make sure they're all changed. That could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Sega of America might be able to convince them to just release it as is. It here. would be nice if they could. I, would I, like, I think I would they like to play this could. sooner rather than later, frankly. But um, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I, mean, just, I nice. just don't know enough about that corporate relationship between those two sides of the company these days. I mean, I I believe you. In Japan, they're going to take it off the market. They're going to rework it. They'll re-release it. But I honestly would not be surprised if Sega Japan just like, look, we get it. It's completely different over there. People aren't vilified and their lives aren't ruined for trying and, for and doing drugs. And 90% of the people who buy it are not, over here are never going to hear that other story. They have yeah. no clue. They don't know who he is. Like, no. the only people they're going to know are the people who watch Game Face. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, we just ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> you can blame it all on us. Um, but yeah, I, would, I, I hope they do it that way because I would like to play it sooner. Yeah, absolutely. From a very, completely selfish point of view. Yeah, I'm not a gigantic fan of Yakuza games. Yeah, and maybe you could, I mean, once they finish the replacement But I'm more interested thing, in this one. Once they finish the replacement, maybe they could offer that as like an optional download for Western people. Like if you want to, you know, who knows? You, you pick who plays this role. Why not? And call it the Addict DLC or something. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it is pretty crazy to think culturally still how different Japan is from America. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, it's their country. They can do whatever they want. I don't think it's fair that someone's going to prison for seven years for doing cocaine. And that would never fly in America. We'd be broke in like a week if we, yeah, we, got a lot we jailed every person that did cocaine. We, we're more about jailing people for pot. No, you're right. Yeah, which is, but that's all starting to change and people are getting their, their sentences mm. commuted and, and et cetera as the laws change here. But, but man, that is just brutal. And then to have a publicly... Yeah. I mean, the good news for Japan is that they it's don't a, have it's to... It's a big cultural difference. It is. And the big thing for Japan, the good thing for Japan is that they, they their crime is really low there. So mm. they don't have prisons clogged up with people who have done legitimate crimes. So they can afford to house drug offenders. Unfortunately, in America, we're getting to the point where we can. In fact, a lot of people now don't even go to jail for drug offenses because the prisons are full. So if you have a drug offense in America and it wasn't attached to violence in any way... They just give you probation now. They don't even put you in, in prison anymore. And now they're in the process of getting, like you said, marijuana offenders out of prison here. And there's also a, a, the three strike law is now getting yeah, shot a, down. Yeah, there's a lot of movements to basically make things that used to be like imprisonable offenses not, which right. is one of the reasons the crime rate has gone up in LA. No, you're right. You're absolutely it's, right. It's no longer a misdemeanor to 
burglarize a house, pretty much. Yeah, it's it's. You mean it's not a felony? Fel- yeah. It's not a felony to steal mail anymore either. Yeah, and, there's, and there's, like they've raised the the value limits. Yeah. On th- you know, so like. So the cops don't even come. Steal under a thousand bucks, they don't care. Yeah. And that's what we've had to do because our prisons were overcrowded and we can't afford to house everybody. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you make prison a for-profit business. You're right. And in Japan, it's not that way, so they can continue on this path without having to yeah. have any financial considerations. Although there are, I mean, there's different issues there where, like, you know, like Phoenix Wright, while it's absurd, is a parody of the Japanese legal system. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, prosecutors there do have a tendency to pride themselves on their win streaks, which is like, that's not how it should work. justice works. But like, you know what? If you want, my wife watches all these crime mysteries, unsolved, all this stuff. Like, anything where there's a murder and they're trying to figure it out like i mean that stuff's starting to happen here too i mean there are if you there'll be da's that they'll have on there they'll be like i hadn't lost a case in 12 years and i prided myself on that and this was the case that took me down or whatever so yeah, but a lot of times like if you're in that situation like the da is picking and choosing oh you're right and to they, make sure have, he wins they have underlings to do the ones they don't <laughs> they're, think they're gonna good, lose good, yeah. good bets right <laughs> whereas like there's a lot more yeah. like um you know win at all costs when you know and that's true of any any prosecutor really but like uh, if you read up on like the, the Japanese like justice system, it's uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. Like it's a different way. Like the, the the way like when you when you you know it's exaggerated in Phoenix, right? But like there, I have a couple people who have worked in Japan and in, in tangentially to the legal system, and they say like, sure, the guy on the stand being railroaded is probably not a clown who murdered someone with a Power Rangers weapon, but like the whole thing where like there's like these weird sort of leaps where like you get people to incriminate themselves in weird ways. And like, that's all you need. Right. Like not totally fictional. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's a different world. And look, I honestly, I don't want to tell a country how they should run their country. I don't live there. And the people that do live there should have control over how that stuff is handled. So I'm not saying Japan is wrong or anything like that. It's how they want to run their country. But unfortunately this is a case where how they're handling their business is affecting us. Because there's this game that we want to play that we may not ever get to play, or we're not going to play until a long time. Well, it's from also, now. if I'm Sega, that was like, I'm like, maybe we should just stop modeling people after real the people. Real people. What's the point? Nobody if here this knows. This could happen. Yeah. And I'm sure you know they didn't learn their lesson the first right. time. <laughs> it's it is. Funny. I mean, you know, and I'm sure that we'll see like other things this guy's done have to has to be changed as well. Like you know, like in many films he's been films in, films he's or, been in, or like other games he's done. I'm sure we'll have. There'll be re- repercussions for for other companies on that too. It's really this is crazy. the most just the most high profile thing, and the thing that we were looking forward to. Yep. So there you go. Sometimes it's good to live in America. Sometimes it's not. But this is one case where it is. Unless you wanted to play Judgment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> good point. All right. Uh, we've been teasing this now for the last like thirty minutes, and we're going to talk about it now. We're going to talk about Halo: The Master Chief Collection. Finally coming to PC, but it's not just coming to PC. There's a special edition, which mm. is Halo Reach. Yes. Um, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. It's like highly requested. Uh, I think one of the better Halos um, would have been one of my picks to add to the collection. It's going to cost extra. Yeah, so, there, so the Master Chief collection has everything up to Halo 4, yeah. minus the offshoots. 
No, it includes... Uh, does it include ODST? ODST? Yeah. Oh, it does. I, didn't, I wasn't aware this, of that. Adding Reach makes uh, Master Chief Collection has everything except five. Okay. Which is fine, because who gives a shit? Well, I mean, you, you can say that about four as well. True, but four... Five is better than four. But five is on Xbox One already. Right, it's too so, new. Like, they can't roll it into that collection. I bet they will eventually, but like... Once Infinite's... I bet Infinite launches, five gets moved into Master Chief Collection, so you've got the history one and the current one. Like yeah. that's, that's what I bet they'll do. What the hell took so long for this to happen? Well, part of it was because uh, it took them four years to fix the Master Chief Collection. Meaning? Meaning nothing worked right. Meaning uh, you had weird crashes, you had save problems, your matchmaking didn't work, all the online stuff was borked beyond recognition. Uh, and when people would ask 343, like, what the hell is going on? It was basically, a, I mean, really, really simplified. They had a bunch of different people make this, make this thing, and none of it really ever came together. And when 343 kind of took it upon themselves to try to fix everything, they realized that, and I don't know how this works or why it's this way or what the tech behind it is, but basically the explanation given by people who I believe, like people who I believe you know, that interact with the community and I don't think are lying, uh, including uh, Frank O'Connor, was the Xbox One OS has to have changes to the back end made before we can fix a bunch of this stuff. And that's about as much detail as I know on it. And then when, you remember when the Xbox One, you know, OS went through that big revamp yep. a few years ago, that was the thing. When they did that, that was 343 basically was saying to Microsoft, like, fix this, do this, do this. So if you do that, we can fix the Master Chief Collection. And that happened. And so last summer they were able to put out that big patch that basically, you know, brought a lot of stuff back up to speed and there was still more patches that, you know, it wasn't, you know, but at, by the end of the last summer, uh, the Master Chief Collection more or less worked, which was not something that was true, uh, especially if you want to play online. I mean, online was it's the so big bizarre. Thing. It should be so easy. It should have, but like, <laughs> I mean, the Xbox, the original Xbox, was a PC. Right. I but mean, they all, have, they've all but, been PCs. Well, but a lot of this stuff was rebuilt from the ground up. Right. So like, you know, and they had different, you had different online for all the different games, and uh, but and the th main thing was that three four th the three four three's main take on it seems to be like we should have done it ourselves and we didn't. Yeah. Um, or they just should not have done it at all. No, I think. Is it worth it? Yeah, it's great. I, I think it's a great. I think it's great to keep like these major franchises. Like you keep them in one place on one thing. Like bring them up to speed. Put them on the new system. They look great. I love it. I love the Master Chief Collection. I, I mean, one thing great. that's good about it is it, it, it was more trouble than it ended up being worth because they didn't do it right the first time. Right. That's, I mean, that's really what. what I mean, the, the good news is. now though is that they've rebuilt these games with code that can then live. Yeah, on they can forever. bring it forward as however it's, long it's they need to. It's good now. Yeah. yeah. Like the, you'll have Halo Infinite, and you'll have Halo History. You know, one of the, you know, it's I good. I just wonder if all the work. I mean, it's been like several years. Is ever going to be worth the I think payoff? I, no, I think it is absolutely worth it because they had to gain the, the faith and the trust of the community back again. Okay, that's like a they good had, point. They had to win the players back and prove that they weren't going to leave them with this broken game forever. Right. They didn't. They fixed it. Yeah. And then they and then they they're bringing in Reach, which is one of the, you know very highly requested. If you looked at um, at Reddit, the Halo Reddit, when they announced that that uh, Master Chief Collection was a, was going to get Reach and also was coming to PC. That had more upvotes than Halo Infinite's announcement. Interesting. Like people want this. Like they, they I mean, this is the, the the hunger is there, especially in the PC audience. They want this, 
And uh, do you think it's because they never played it? Partly, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Or because they want it to be on a more powerful hardware. They want it to be on hardware that they can tweak it more. They want to be able to play multiplayer with mouse and keyboard, like whatever whatever you want to yeah. call it. You know, lots of reasons. It's all it's a lot of reasons to want it on PC. And so Reach is coming first on PC and will be added to the Xbox One version for. I think the multiplayer is coming, but then if you want uh, firefight and campaign, it's like extra. It's money. It costs money. I think I I saw thir- twenty nine. Campaign was twenty. I thought. Yeah, I saw twenty nine ninety nine as as a price for the campaign plus that was plus for firefight. Reach, right? Yeah, for, for yeah. Reach. Yeah. Reach is campaign plus firefight. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then the multiplayer would just be I think added. Yep. Um, but I think it's great. I mean, I I I really like Reach. I think it's you know it's, the, it's Bungie's last Halo game. Yeah, it's underrated uh, for sure. It's uh, it, it was, was unlike any other Halo game. No, it like was like you could play it and not really have an idea that you were even playing a Halo game. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of cool stuff in that, and uh, it engaged me in a way that certainly four and five didn't. Yeah. in terms of the campaign. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I liked. I mean, I like Master Chief, and I like kind of that main thing, but like for whatever reason, I do like the universe that. Halo takes place in, and for me, Reach and uh, ODST are the most compelling campaigns, which is weird because they're spin-offs, and one of my issues with 4 and 5 was that they didn't do anything interesting with Master Chief. Right. But, like, if you kind of spin it off and make it more about these other groups, it, it for whatever reason, it felt like you had more of a story to tell. It, they fleshed out the universe more. Yeah. They showed you more of the minutiae, the more granular stuff, like wildlife and things mm-hmm. like that, that you never really got much of in the base yeah. Halo games. And Reach was, Reach was, for whatever reason, I mean, Reach is kind of the Rogue One yeah, of Halo. Yeah, way to put it. Where, like, yeah. you sort of see how everything leads up to the opening scene of Halo 1, which basically starts in the middle of stuff. Right. You know, it's, it's a very... Which people rest. don't realize. Most which, people like, don't realize. Well, you understand it when, like, they jump in and, like, they're, like, you know, they're in the middle of the fight and Cortana's talking about, like, we, we got away, wake the Master Chief up, we, you know, I'm happy with four or five kills and all that, you know, you, clearly this, this thing's going on and you're like, where did you come from? And they do actually mention Reach in that first scene. Do they? Uh, yeah, they say something. We, we got out of reach barely with a scammer teeth or something. Oh, wow. Which, um, which then later you'd only know that that's what they're referring to if you'd read the books uh-huh. that came out. Cause, like, the, which I did Reach is more <laughs> like... There was a book trilogy, uh, uh, and I think Fall of Reach was the, the prequel to Halo 1 the, in the novel uh, series. And so Halo Reach is in part based on kind of what that set up. Um, and I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty effective in terms of fleshing out like where the Spartan program came for, from, and and what that like kind of what the what the covenant glassing a planet looks like. And even though you sort of knew how it was going to end, it was sort of a for, you know forgone tragedy. Uh, I think they did it pretty well. Um, sort of that that last run to like get Master Chief to the the Pillar of Autumn and all that, or yeah. get to Cortana. I think get Cortana to to them. Um, it's a good game. Uh, I will. I will. Happily, <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to debate you on that I one. I will happily. <laughs> I will happily pay a fee to play it in 4K, 60 frames a second. Yep. Um, and so, getting this code up to scratch with modern times, I think, pays dividends for what appears to be Microsoft's really big play in its next initiative, which is Xbox mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. So this week... Because it really is worth noting that most of these Halo games have never been on PC. Right. In any Absolutely. Form. But now that you have that code, like, conceivably, it could ultimately end up on mobile someday or mm-hmm. any other platform. It'll be much easier to port that code to other platforms yeah. now that you've got it up to that. Well, you're to all, that isn't, this probably ties in with that thing from a while ago where people were seeing that, like, Xbox One games were running natively on Windows. If you right. Could, like, put the yeah. disc in and all that stuff. That, um, Xbox Live is launching for iOS and Android. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this week... Where's the Switch version? Yeah, Microsoft, <laughs> exactly. Microsoft also released this week the wireless display app, which basically turns your Xbox One into a Steam Link. Did you know that? Hmm. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, so now you're, you don't need a Steam Link anymore. Hmm. You can now use your Xbox to stream from your PC. Hmm. You just have to download the app and off you go, um, which is huge. But again, it's all a part of Microsoft's bigger initiative to make sure that its content that it owns can get out to as many people on as many platforms as possible. Mm. Uh, and I don't really see either of the other big three doing this. Sony, no, this is obviously not Sony. Sony doesn't even want cross-platform play. But also, this is a unique advantage Microsoft has because of being so tied into the PC, infra, you know, basic yeah, yeah. PC environment just in general. Everyone, just about everyone, has Microsoft as their OS, you know, other than the Linux fans. But what would you need Xbox Live on? your mobile phone for unless you're going to ultimately be able to play games through mm -hmm. xbox live on your phone that would seem to be the basis of it it's yeah. coming yeah i mean it's it's smart microsoft that man <laughs> yeah or they might also be moving into like mobile stuff it's true yeah um, and just sort of all part and parcel I mean, yeah I'm sure it could be it could be both obviously yeah it probably is both frankly but like microsoft is starting to have the depth, you know, the, it's starting to have a, a bench deep enough to, like, do some mobile stuff that would be Xbox Live exclusive maybe on your phone. You look at Halo 1, 2, and probably 3, mm -hmm. you could run those on a mobile phone yeah. right now, well, yeah, probably. You could also run, like, something like Spartan Ops. Yep, like, absolutely. Which is sort of, which always felt like a dry run for something that never really happened. Yeah. But, like, maybe they could go back to I mean, that. imagine if they put out the original Halo trilogy on iOS and Android. Yeah. That makes a lot of money. That will make a ton of money. So Microsoft, I think, is doing a pretty good job of lining itself up here for the next 10 to 15 years. It bought all the developers. It's very, it's basically becoming platform agnostic. Like mm -hmm. it's also, It also might be kind of like, you know, part and parcel of thinking ahead about, okay, so when the time comes to cash in on this whole nostalgia boom that's inevitable for Minecraft, right? how do we push that to everybody? Yep. And if that infrastructure, what we're looking at here, is in place, that's it's how you ready get to it. rumble. It's right there. Yeah. Because um, Minecraft, you basically have an entire audience hostage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's nothing else like it. I mean, other games have tried. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been dozens of clones, but none of them have managed to even take, a, no. take it down a notch. Minecraft is a clone. Yeah, I guess it, it is, is, actually. Infiniminer was the original. Right, yeah. But Minecraft's the one that, that hit. It was, yeah. It was the one that iterated in the right ways, I mm -hmm. guess, to ultimately make it make it a success. So, um, yeah, it just seeing all these moves by Microsoft, it just it makes me really excited to find out about the next Xbox. Look, I know the leaks are out there saying there's two versions. Probably true. We don't know 100% if that's true, um, but it looks like it's it's heading that way. But it just seems like. Microsoft's reliance on its own hardware that could just be completely gone after Xbox Two. Mm -hmm. Like, well, it's going to be. Interesting. It just wants people to buy the content. Well, it's going to be interesting because Microsoft is at its most interesting when it has nothing to lose. Yeah, and that's definitely where they are right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just interesting how you can watch something like this Master Chief Collection for PC, but you can see the broader strategy in it. Mm -hmm. And you can see what the long play is for Microsoft and how things like this tie into it. Yeah, and I think it's, well, I mean, it's, just, it's a more exciting long play than, I think, because I think you could see the long play in what they tried to do as this gen was starting to turn right. over. 
when but everybody it's, rejected but it. But it's just something nobody wanted. Right. Whereas then. like yeah, whereas this this long play feels like it's much more in line with kind of like the public appetite. Yep. Absolutely. So will it be enough? I don't know. But um, it's certainly a more interesting trick than any of anything Sony's doing right now. So just like I said, content is king. Content is king. Mm -hmm. So sure, you can have content, but if it's not content that people want to consume, then it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. Crackdown. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it, okay, so you have all these studios, but they still have to make games that people want to play. Yeah, well, sure. we're about to see. That's. A, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll see a little bit of Infinite at E3, but I would predict that this E3... For Microsoft is mostly, hey, last year we told you we bought all these people. This, this year we're going to show you what on. they're doing. Yeah. So like that to me is like, you know, we're going to get a really good idea if Microsoft is on that right track or not. I think this E3 because yeah. you're going to be able to see what they're what they've got these new acquisitions doing, and we're going to be able to say like, oh, that's not going to work, or we're like, that's something that people want to play. That's something I want to play. That's yeah. something I don't want to play, but I can see why other people would want to play. You know. Like, uh, we'll see how they're playing to the strengths of these new companies they, they acquired and whether they, whether we think that they're doing a wise thing with them because that's the next step in this plan. It's like, yes, that infrastructure thing is exciting, but Doesn't matter if the thing if the coming content. through it isn't exciting, then you lose all that it's momentum. It's all pointless. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's move on to our last topic of this week's episode. We're going to talk about The Division 2, a game that... All of you need to decide whether you want to buy it or not within the next two hours. Yeah. And we're here to, uh, to let you know whether or not you should. I have been playing the game for the last four days. Um, I had played the beta for an entire weekend. At this point, I have put a lot of hours into The Division 2. And the one thing I would say right off the bat is that the beta was really good. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I talked about it on the show I, that I enjoyed it, but what I've realized now that I'm playing the final version of the game is that that beta was really good. Like it's up to, it was up to scratch. Like it was like the final retail yeah. product. Well, I mean, the beta of the first one convinced me to buy the game. Yeah, like I hadn't. It was not on my radar at all, and I played that beta. I'm like, I had a really good time playing that. I'm yeah. gonna buy this game. Like that. So, if there's one thing the division does well, it's demoing itself. Yep. Well, the final version provides a lot more context to everything. Uh, the beta just started off. They're like, get to the White House and defend the White House. Hmm. Well, the game starts out. There's like a prologue or an epilogue? Prologue. Prologue. Epilogue's at the end. Yeah, there's a prologue that kind of explains your character and his role in this. And basically, you're like a, you're a ringer. that You're called into Washington, D.C. because the shit's hit the fan. And you have a reputation for, for cleaning up the shit. Hmm. And so... They call you in. You come into D.C. The city's being taken over. There's like five different factions. So it's a continuation of the same plague thing from the yep. first game. Like yeah. It's yeah. Just, they. It's just moved south. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, the story in this game is not all that important. It's like it is. It's the plague. And they talk about, oh, the plague may strike up again or it may go back out to the public. They talk about it constantly. But really, you're just fighting for control of Washington, D.C. from all these gangs that have taken it over and are raping and pillaging anyone who hasn't... Oh, so it's a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, if it was a documentary about D.C., there would be a lot more murder. Because yeah. <laughs> D.C. is the murder capital of the United States, which I know a lot of people may not believe if they drive through it, but... No, I was talking about Congress. Oh, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> the triple entendre then, I guess. Um, but basically, you start out at the White House. It's your first safe house. 
and you just start spreading out. And there's neighborhoods and regions that are held by different gangs. Um, and one thing I do like about this game, we were talking earlier about From Software and some of its games you can get in over your head. You can do that in this game, but you know you're doing it before you do it. Whereas you can just stumble down the wrong path in a From Software game and end up wiped out with like one slash of a sword. And here you know what you're getting into before you head into each region. So if you look at the map, it shows you each section of the city. And it literally says like, this is for level like what two to six. This is for level seven to 12. And it, it cordons off the entire city that way. And so you're well aware if you're under leveled when you're going into a certain section of the game. And you know you need to kind of be on your guard. The other thing I would say too, is that when you venture into parts of the city where technically you're too low level, you can, you can survive. The only thing is you can't get hit. Mm. So your weapons still do plenty of damage. It's not like when you go in, you're level five and you're in, a, in an area where you're fighting level eight or level 10 guys. It's not like you have to chip them and like shoot them a couple times, run away, shoot them a couple times. You can take them down. The difference is how much damage they do. Mm. So their weapons, literally, if you get hit with one burst, you die, basically. So you can make it, but you have to be ultra careful. The good news is about this game is they give you plenty of tools to do just that. So the gadgets, to me, are the biggest change in addition to this, at least the gadgets that they give you and how they work. So I have chosen to use the turret and the drone. So you can see just on the right there, there's a turret sitting on top of that box. And it's basically pinning down all these guys and so what i do with the turret is i throw it down all the enemies concentrate on the turret and then i flank them the other tech that i'm using in the game is a drone and the drone just like the turret once you've deployed these these items and you just tap like one of the shoulder buttons to deploy them once you've deployed them you can kind of control them so after, if the enemies are close enough and in the range of the turret or the drone, there will be icons that pop up over their head, like an L1 and an R1 icon. And in that way, you can manually select which enemies you want each of those to take on. So say you've, chipped, you've taken away all the grunts and all that's left is an elite or the boss. You can select those. And so you can tap both shoulder buttons and then both the turret and the drone or attacking that guy while you're attacking him as well. So it provides a ton of strategy in how you take on each skirmish. Like, it, it completely changes how the fights work in the game. And I really, really, really like that part of it. Now, one thing I would say is that I haven't exactly just settled on the turret and the drone. Like, they're the best things to use hands down. Like, a lot of the other stuff is really frivolous. Um, frivolous for you to use but not so frivolous in the hands of the enemies. So one thing I remember about the first division is just being hunkered down behind cover for long periods of time. Like they would throw a grenade at you every once in a while, maybe one made it behind cover or whatever, but you know, it didn't damage you enough to really make a difference. In this game, there are seeker mines that the enemies have. So if you try to hunker down and just play uh, pop and, and shoot like you would in a Gears of War game, it's, it's not gonna work you're gonna get snuffed out by those mines that will crawl along the ground. And a lot of times you don't see them until they're right on you and they just blow up. So there's not a lot of camping to be done in this game. You can't really camp and be successful. Early on you can, but once you get above like level seven, eight, nine, ten, that's when their uh, seeker mines have enough power to kind of take you out with one explosion. And you have to really be on your, on your P's and Q's. The other thing, the other advantage to using the drone or 
the turret is that if they do send those <coughs> seeker drones, you get a, you get kind of an alert because an icon will pop up above the seeker drone. So you can assign the either your drone or your turret then to attack that seeker mine that's coming in for you. And it just it really just changes everything. It's almost like you even though you can play this game cooperatively with others, it's almost like you're a three-person squad. And it's on a cooldown. So after you use either the drone or the turret, it takes a while before they come back up. Um, so you can't just abuse them and walk through the whole game that way. But you can get strategic with them. So if you find a section of the game maybe that's really hard and you die, and you will die in this game, and you die, instead of going in and deploying both at once, maybe you just deploy the turret first and get through the first section of that, of that level. And then maybe the next skirmish, then you deploy the drone. And you can start alternating those until you get to the end where you got to take on sort of the elite soldier. And you can deploy them both and kind of concentrate all that fire on one end. I love it. I love how the strategy works. It completely changes sort of how you approach the game, how you approach each skirmish, how you plan for each mission. Uh, I've been a huge, huge fan of it. So that part of it, that, that to me is the biggest change for me personally playing it. And I think it's been a very successful one. Um, some of the other stuff. Um, there's been, I've had lag problems with this game so far. So sometimes when I'm shooting enemies, they don't react right away. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll shoot and you're like, wait, the bullet just went into them and then they'll keep shooting and then all of a sudden they'll flail back and then you'll see the meter go down. Yeah, and, the first one had that sometimes. Yep, too. and this game has it too. And I don't, and look, I was playing this before everybody has it. So the, it's not like it's server strain or anything. Um, I'm sure it's going to be worse when everything when everyone gets on the servers tomorrow. Uh, so that has been a problem. And in a game like this, that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's why the health meters are up there. So you know. And, and again, when you're using these other devices to help in these skirmishes, a lot of how you assign one of your, one of your gadgets to do something is based upon the health left on enemies. Um, I can't tell you how many times in this game I thought I killed an enemy and he had like one speck of health left. And then went and hid behind a box. And then I went on and, and started attacking other enemies in the room. And all of a sudden, he comes up from behind me and shoots me with a shotgun in the back and kills me just like that. And you can die very easy in this. If you get surrounded, you're dead. That's just pretty much the, the bottom line. Um, leveling is really slow. So most games, your first five levels, you get those within like an hour or two of playing the game. It took me an hour just to get to level two. Wow. Yep. Just to get that first you, level. If I remember the first one, you were like level three or four by the time you finished the tutorial yep. stuff. Yeah. It, it takes a long time to gain levels in this because you only get a ton of XP for completing the main missions. Like any of the side stuff you do, and there's tons of emergent stuff in this game, which is also a big upgrade over the last one. For instance, um, I was just walking down the street, and I just stumbled upon a group of people, and they're like, hey... We're going to find water. You want to come with us? Hmm. And you can join up right on the street right there and go with them on a quest for water. Uh, another part of the game, I was out in the street and I could hear like this, this loudspeaker just blaring like this propaganda crap. And I get close enough to it and sure enough, the gang in that area had taken over that loudspeaker and it started sending their own messages out to the loudspeaker. So I press the button and it's like, uh-oh, they know that you did this, they're coming. And then instantly there's like a little horde mode that's set up where you have to defend the speaker while the enemies flood in to try to change the speaker back to how they were controlling it. So there's plenty of emergent stuff, but you just don't get much experience for doing it. Like, literally, it's just like a pittance, which 
after I had played the game for a while, I just started running past them. Like, whenever, like, hey, here's this thing you could do. I'm like, just later. It's not worth mm -hmm. it. I'd rather go complete a main mission where I can actually level up by completing it. So the side stuff in this game does not reward you particularly well. Um, and really, the only time you ever level up is after you complete one of the main missions in the game. And early on in the game, they force you to complete the small stuff because they only give you a couple mi main missions in the area where you can conceivably survive skirmishes. And then the next one is in the area where it's like five levels ahead of you. So you're basically forced to kind of go on a scavenger hunt and complete a lot of these side missions. Uh, there are control points that you come across. They're not like, like a forge or anything. They're just little like street corners or whatever that have been taken over by the enemy. And you can take those over. And then once you take those over, you can start giving that control point resources. And then those resources feed into the other settlements that you've already captured and let helps them produce more. Um, so all the systems kind of tie in together with each other, which is cool and it makes sense and it kind of motivates you to keep using each one of them because you know it kind of pays dividends somewhere else. Um, does any of this sound all that different to you though from the first division? Not tremendously. At no. least after like the 20, 20th patch and all the expansions and everything and all the DLC had come out. Not really. It's not that much different. I mean, and that's probably what I would say to people is if you played the Division 1 and you played it like me and you played it for 30 hours, you finished the main campaign and then fiddled around with some other stuff, you'll probably see a much bigger difference in this game. If you're someone who's stuck with the first Division through all of it, through all the updates, through all the DLC, through all the tweaks, through all the changes, I think those are the type of people who are going to not be struck by the changes as much. Um, another thing, I, another criticism I have about this game is up-close combat is just a total train wreck. So if they get, also similar. Yep. If they get anywhere near you, it's just a total freak out. You're just like, run away, run away. And like I said, typically like one or two good bursts of fire, you die. And they use melee a lot. Like they'll just come running at you with like a, a like a blackjack or whatever and mm -hmm. like try to strike you. Um, typically you're able to deal with them before they get to you, but not always. And anytime things get close, anytime they're they're trying to melee, it just gets really messy and awkward, and I usually just run away and try to get cover and then spin around. Um, the way the health works in the game, you have a rebounding health meter. But if you see above my character there, you'll see the orange meter, that's the health meter. And then above that is your armor. The white sort of segmented part is the armor. And the armor is basically the health in the game. So you get armor kits and then you have to hold right on the D-pad to use the armor kits and it takes a while. So there's plenty of moments in this game where you're literally holding on by like a speck of health and you're trying to use that armor kit in time and there you can hear the footsteps coming and the heart starts beating real hard and it definitely gets, gets you charged up while you're playing in that way. Um, loot, obviously a big part of any game as a service, definitely a big part of the Division 2. Uh, you're seeing anytime you know the big enemies go down, uh, you can loot their bodies, but you can't loot the body of every enemy. So it's not one of those games where after, after every skirmish you're walking around looting every single enemy. It's very specific enemies. Some enemies will, will drop like an item, like an armor pack or ammo or whatever, and then some will be completely lootable. But those are usually only the elites or the primary character that you needed to kill on that particular mission. Um, the HUD. So the HUD is like a disaster. It, it has icons for everything. And so I highly recommend when you first boot up the game, go into the settings and turn some stuff off 
The first thing I would turn off is the mantling icon. So an icon will pop up in front of any object that you can mantle over. Which is most objects. Every object. It's a cover-based game. Turn it off because what it does is the objects that you can loot in this game are not obvious. They do have a very faint kind of shimmer to them if you stand still and look at them for a while. But if you scan a room, you'll never pick up on them. So the way you pick up on them is by running past them and having the icon pop up. But if you have that mantling icon, you'll never notice it because literally there's just icons just littered all over the place. So the first thing I highly recommend doing is turning off the mantling icons. You know what items you can climb over. You know what items you can take cover behind. It's really pointless and it just junks up the HUD. Um, as far as stuff that you can upgrade and improve, there are skills, and that's the gear that I was talking about earlier. Uh, the turrets, the drones, the seeker mines. Uh, there's like a, a lot of it too is for like, um, like buffs and things like that or health recovery. Like there's a mine that you can throw that sends out these little mini robots that heals everybody that's playing with you and you. Um, there's another one that you can throw that refills ammo and things like that, which again is why I ended up settling on using the turret and the drone. Uh, depending on how you play, it may change your, your opinion on that. Um, and then the other thing that you're constantly leveling up are perks, and they're basically your buffs. Um, the one that I keep leveling up is the armor kits, because it's basically extra lives, and they're cheap. So both the skills and the perks are leveled up using the same items, and they're called SHD Tech Points. And those, you get those when you finish a mission. You'll get a few. And then you can find caches hidden around the environment. Um, and once you have completed a main mission in an area, the, S, the, the tech things will pop on the map. And then it's just a matter of just tracking them down on the map, finding them, and adding them. The one thing I don't like about both the skills and the perks and how they're improved is you have to go back to the base of operations to the quartermaster to use them. So out in the field, you can't just be like, I have 15 tech points. Let's go into the tech tree and, and add some skills and add some buffs. You have to go back to, and in this case, the White House, because that's your base of operations when you first start. You have to go back to the White House to use those with the quartermaster, or you can't do anything with them, which is a little weird in 2019, I think. Um, gunplay feels good, not amazing. Um, I would say the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay of Anthem I enjoy more because it has that added element of flight, but as a game on a whole, and particularly as a game as a service, The Division 2 mops the floor with Anthem. <laughs> it's so much more polished. Everything makes so much more sense. You can see that they've already gone through all this. Mm -hmm. They've already done their Anthem. They're on Anthem 2 now, and you can see the difference. Everything's very polished. There's hardly any load times, despite the fact in this game that you often go into indoor environments. Now, there are a few cases where you go through a door and there's a short load that happens, but unlike an Anthem, when you're outdoors and you go indoors, there's not some weird load, so it loads up the indoor environment. Those actual environments are being rendered at all time in the open world. Now, that is at the detriment of the visuals. Um, the game looks good most of the time, and obviously you're seeing this footage here that was captured on PS4 Pro with uh, super sampling, but the game has problems, and we're seeing a lot of games like this at this point. Like, they're just trying to do too much with the engine, so there's lots of LOD issues. Literally, there are cinematics where, like, one of the characters will point to a map, 
and he puts his finger on the map, and it's blank, and then what's supposed to be on the map appears. Hmm. Like, that's how bad the LOD is in this. So it, it looks good in trailers. It looks good in most of the footage, but as you play it, it it's not one of the better-looking games. The other thing, crazy thing about this, too, is when you start this game... It's super even weirder when you remember what that... You remember that original demo they had yep. of the engine? Yep, yep. And the crazy part, too, is when you boot up this game for the first time and, like, you go through the, the first opening sequence and then it does, like, the opening credits, every Ubisoft studio has worked on this game. Literally, like, ten studios pop up at the beginning saying, oh, man, every one of them, every territory had its hands in this game. But ultimately it shows up because the game is really polished. I've had no, no crashes. I've had no problems with, problem with the game not recognizing something I did. Um, I haven't had any, any glitches with weapons or enemies. Um, even stuff like clipping and things like that have been handled pretty well, which is no small feat for a, an open world game of this size. Uh, so it's very polished. Everything works the way it's supposed to. There really aren't any annoyances. Really, the worst thing I can say about it is that it's probably just a little bit too much like the first game. Um, if you already got your fill of the division from the first one, it's hard for me to recommend buying this. Um, it's obviously a new setting, and there are some tweaks, a lot of which I've already talked about. But other than that, I mean, it's just the division with mm -hmm. a new setting and new missions that are a lot like the old ones. And uh, the, the biggest tweaks have come to the Dark Zone, obviously. And we talked about that before when I played the beta. And I have not played enough of, of that to talk about it intelligently at this point and so i'll save that for next week after you've had a chance to maybe give it a whirl as well uh, i'm not playing this you're not playing it at all nah, there's I, you're but you're you fall into the group i just said yeah i do i but i play you know i play the division for a hundred and something hours and i have zero interest in this it just looks like the same thing i've already done it is for, for the 100 hours yeah i mean but it's more polished and it's like at that final state out of the gate Whereas it took the, the first division months or even a year mm -hmm. to kind of get to where it is. This is like that on day one. Um, but I'm really enjoying playing it. Like, I'm hooked on the game. I really didn't think I would. Ubisoft sent it to me, and I'm like, eh, I'll probably play this for four or five hours, enough so I can talk about it on the show, and I'm hooked on it. I'm fully engaged. And again, I only played the first one until basically the single player had ended. So, you know, I didn't play it as long as you did, and I didn't reach kind of that critical burnout point with it. Yeah, looking at it just sort of makes me feel nauseous. Like, <laughs> like, like that nauseous when you ate something, too much of something. Right. You know, it's like, it's not that I don't like chocolate, I've just had enough chocolate. Yeah. Um, That's but, how I feel about the, this game. But I would say people who did not buy the first Division because they mm -hmm. read the reviews and maybe and they listened to you on Game Face or listened to both of us on Game Face, I think this one you should dive in. If you like games as a service, if you like these types of games, you should dive in. Because everything is good right from the beginning. You can play it with friends, and the way that you can match up with people is awesome. You can do it at any time. There are all kinds of parameters you can set as far as who you want to join your game. Um, one thing I would say is that it does get annoying because you can call for help at any time. So you can call for help when you die. Um, you can call for help if you just are like, okay, this section of the game is hard and I want help. You can hit a button and just call people in randomly from the internet. Which is awesome if you're the person playing. Don't worry, sir. I'm from the internet. Yeah. The problem is if you're not interested in playing with other people, you get alerts constantly. Mm. 
literally like every like 60 seconds you get some someone needs help try to go and join it like just over and over and over again it almost brought me to the point where i just wanted to turn off the connectivity altogether because it got that annoying a lot of UB games seem to do that. Have a little, are a little too aggressive with the connect- connection stuff. And I get it. I mean, they want it Watch to Dogs be easy. Watch Dogs Two was like that. Yeah, too. they want it to be easy. It just, it gets annoying. So I would mm. probably also recommend if you don't plan on wanting to play this. And I did play a lot of this by myself, by the way. The game is balanced very, very well, so that you can go in and play it by yourself with your gadgets, and you can make it through the game fine. It's very well. The difficulty is perfect. Like. um... Like I said, you can go into areas that you shouldn't be in, but even in those areas, you can survive if you're good and you're very careful. But if you play in the levels that you're supposed to be in that are equal to your level, the the difficulty is just right on the money, man. Like, it's just tough enough that it's fun and engaging and it challenges you, but it's not so hard that you're like, F this game, I don't want to play this game. Um, so maybe that's something that they learned from all the iterations of the first one, I don't know, but they seem to have knocked that out of the park right out of the gate. Do not play this game for the story. If you Again, if you're someone on Sifted who has story cranked up to 10 on your eval ratings, this is not for you. This is not a story-driven game. Most of the cinematics are just... They're just basically there to tell you why you should keep playing. It's not, it's not that they're interesting or there's some intricate like plot going on behind the surface about the outbreak or you're... I mean, you are technically trying to get the cure for the outbreak. That's kind of the big goal and because you need to find an official because they're the only ones who are going to have access to it you have to ultimately find an official who can get you to it that's kind of the overarching plot but you never meet enough interesting characters that it actually makes you care about what's going on with them um there are so many safe houses and and places where you can go to meet people that you just meet just hundreds and hundreds of people that you don't end up caring or really resonating with any of them all that much so Folks who really care about story and rely on story to keep them going through games, this is definitely not the game for you. Uh, let's see if I have any other notes here. Um, no, that's pretty much it. So I am, I don't know, I've probably played about 15 hours of it. I'm going to keep playing because I am absolutely addicted and hooked on it. I'll be playing it this weekend. So if any of you guys pick it up tonight or pick it up tomorrow... Uh, hit me up. I'm Denfire on PlayStation Network, and let's play some cooperative games. I have not played much cooperative. I've been playing it all by myself, uh, but ultimately I'm going to need to spend some time with others to see how it's balanced when I play with other people uh, to see how that all works out. So hit me up at Denfire on PlayStation Network, and maybe we can get together this weekend and play some Division 2, since you're not going to do it, Kyle. Nope. <laughs> do you have any questions about the Division 2 as a big-time Division 1 player? Nope. No? None? Not really. Not one. Most of my questions were related to the Dark Zone, and I feel like that video they put out a while ago kind explained of explained that all that. That's, the Dark Zone's confusing, the way it works, and the way the loot works, and whether you can take it back or not. And Yeah, and again, that's why I want to make sure I dive into it a lot more before I start talking about it. I, I want to make sure that I'm informed that I'm not giving people bad information. So we'll talk about it again next week. Like I said, we always talk about a game first for our initial impressions, and then we give our full Monty the week after that. So we will talk about the Division 2 in next week's show, along with, hopefully, Sekiro. We'll see about that. All right, folks, it's time for our trailer of the week. And I I feel like we're starting to establish a theme with our trailer of the week, and that is Battle Royale. (laughs) So this week, Battlefield 5's Battle Royale mode kind of leaked out. 
There was like this grainy trailer that came out that was like a tutorial trailer that really did kind of spill the beans on everything. Uh, and then it was followed a few days later by this trailer, which is the debut trailer for Firestorm. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. That is what it's called. Battlefield 5 Firestorm, which is its battle royale mode. Let's check it out. So Matt, do you think that there's room for another Battle Royale game? Because I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you, that looks pretty freaking awesome. It's a cool trailer, but I think they probably should have just called it uh, a day late and a dollar short. Because uh, Apex won. You think it's too late? Even with a game that has like crazy vehicles like that. Battlefield Five costs money. Yes, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't it looks matter. awesome, though, doesn't it? It looks cool. Yeah. I, like, I like the firestorm. I like the firestorm effect. I like that, you know, they're yeah, using It raises the... the area. Like, if you're outside that circle, you're dead. Yeah, like, they, it burns the, you alive. It's using the frostbite engine well to, like, you know, yeah. destroy everything. Is it? I mean, it's a cool way to do it, but it's, like, costs money. Yeah. And that's, Not I mean, free. I mean, I'm sure you know, there'll be players, but, like, on the, on the you know, the critical mass of Apex is... is it's, it's actually kind of funny to, to think that now Respawn kind of gets its revenge on Battlefield from, you know, Battlefield sort of cannibalized oh, Titanfall yeah. 2 and now <laughs> Apex Legends sort of, Cannibalizing sort of ate Firestorm's <laughs> lunch a little bit. Yep. I mean, this one definitely has, you know, it's interesting to me in the sense that it's got the vehicles and uh, and the, the Firestorm aspect and stuff that's cool, but like, it might, it's probably going to be something I'll play because I do have Battlefield 5, but uh, in terms of something that would have the critical mass that we're talking about to make it, you know, a Fortnite or an Apex Legends, not. Nah, 
it seems like you have to be free to play for that. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's going to be a failure, but uh, I feel like I feel like Battlefield Five ship sailed already, and uh, apparently 7.2 million ships sailing was not enough ships yep. for EA. <laughs> apparently. So, mm. Uh, first of all, you guys are learning. You guys waited until the end of the show to subscribe via Twitch Prime, so thank you very much. And now I can thank you in person. Gohan Rage, thank you for subscribing. Damn Tao Man, thank you for subscribing. Ultimate Villain, thank you for subscribing. Anybody else? All right, those are the three at the end. So thank you guys, appreciate it. And thanks for waiting till the end so we can recognize you guys on the actual show instead of after the fact. You guys also have loaded up the chat with some questions. Let's get to them. Um, and here's one from Damp Talman. What do you think about DMC5 having slightly less nudity on Western PS4s than any other version? I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, there's a scene where, um, like, Dante, I think it's Dante, carries his mother, is it? Or it's, it's who's younger than, uh, carries his naked woman, basically, uh, at some point. And she's naked, so you can see her naked butt. And uh, on the U.S. version of the PlayStation 4 version, they added, like, a lens flare so you can't see the butt clearly. Really? And in the Japanese one, it's there's no lens flare. And on the Xbox one, there's no lens flare. And the PC version, there's no lens flare in any territory. So it's only the PlayStation 4 U.S. version did that. Here's something that's weird, though. I am playing the PS4 U.S. version, and there is a scene in the van mm-hmm. where... A girl is completely naked. Now they show her from beh- like a behind like side angle, so you see kind of the silhouette of her boob, but you see her butt mm-hmm. plain as day, and she's butt naked. She's just standing there naked. So that's weird. Yeah, I don't know that they didn't censor that, but they censored that other scene. Man, yeah, I wouldn't what call. The heck? I wouldn't call it censoring. What would you uh, call it? I'd call it an editorial choice. <laughs> um, you can't censor something that's your own work. Right. But, like, why they, I mean, was it maybe it was requested by Sony? Because, like, it's not on any other platforms. That's but why so would Sony weird. America be the one I that don't know. It? So, that I don't know. It makes no sense. Uh, Especially considering there's another scene that sounds way I more mean, risky. It's, risque. it's literally one and a half seconds, and I could not possibly care less. Yeah. <laughs> um, is the actual answer. Yeah, but it is, I don't really care about nudity. In but games, it is but weird. Like it's, it's, it's weird. It's yeah. weird that it's only one version. It's weird that it's only one territory uh, from the same company. Yep. Uh, same company being Sony because uh, it's a PlayStation thing. So yeah, odd. But uh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, if you need to see naked butts, there's a lot of other places to see it than Devil May Cry Five. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, from W. Matthew, with Borderlands 3 almost a guarantee reveal for PAX, what do you want to see from it? I want even more abilities for each class. Um, PS Borderlands 2 is still the best loot shooter. Yes, better than both Destinies. <laughs> mm. yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I'd like to see new classes. I'd like to see them move away from the already established classes they have. I'll tell you what I'd like to see more than anything. And this is something that The Division 2 does very, very well. The enemies are not bullet sponges. Mm. Even if you're taking on an enemy that's like several levels higher than you, if you target your shots well, you can drop them in a couple bursts. That's not the case in Borderlands. No. Borderlands. It's not the case in Division 1. It's really not. It, the Borderlands, I've never felt like, it's like, am I shooting BBs? Like, I, my weapons felt so powerless in Borderlands. That's a big reason why I never stuck with Borderlands. Like, I'm like, wait a minute, there's like three of us, and we're all shooting this with all we've got, 
and the health bar has gone down like two pixels. Like, I hate that. I hate that in any game. And uh, to me, Borderlands was the worst of all the shooters in that regard. I just felt like the weapons just didn't have any power because when you're shooting something, it didn't seem to take as much damage as it should be. Well, for me, I, I always know, like, the, the weapons I ended up sticking with the most in Borderlands were always the most straightforward, boring weapons. Yeah. Like, they were... They did a lot of damage. They shot straight. They shot in either burst or single shot. And I was able to reliably take things down, headshot things, take them out quickly. But that meant I didn't. I never got to use like the weird fun stuff because either they spread the shot out too much or they burn through ammo too much without doing enough damage to warrant it. Or like, like I felt like the big hook of the game being like these weird, crazy guns you could get that are all kind of procedurally generated was sort of torpedoed by the fact that the most effective stuff was just like a straight-up machine gun, you know? I'll say this. Having... Unless you got really, really lucky with something that had some, like, elemental effects that just, like, made up for it, which could happen. To me, in shooters, one of the most important things is having a weapon that is reliable so that the more you use it, the more you understand how it burst fires, how much damage it can do over a certain amount of time. So Call of Duty, Black Ops 4... I can tell when I'm having lag because enemies that I should have killed don't die. So I've played it so much that I know how many bursts I need and where I need to place those shots to drop an enemy. And when I'm having lag, what'll happen is that last burst that should have finished off that enemy leaves them with like a speck of health left. And so I agree a thousand percent. Like in a game like this, I care more about reliability than having some crazy contraption that does all this whiz-bang bullcrap. Like, I would rather just have a tool that I can rely on, and I know how it's going to work. Yeah, I, I think you're going to be disappointed. I've, look, I've been str- I, I feel like Borderlands 3 is just going to be more of the same. Yeah, probably. And I've been struggling with that in the Division a little bit. Like, I haven't got to the point yet. And, and part of it is, and here's another thing I'll say about the Division 2, is the gear turnover is just constant. Mm-hmm. It's every time you finish a battle, you get a new set of knee pads that... <laughs> It's like two armor higher than the one that you had before. So you're constantly spending your time in menus, going in and seeing what you got and and choosing that new item that's just one little speck better than what you had before. So that's that's something about games as a service that, in my opinion, gets annoying after a while. And The Division 2 definitely has it. I've also found that I run out of ammo in The Division 2 way more quickly than I think, which also leaves an enemy with like one little speck of health left. And then the AI in the game isn't great, but the animation routines are pretty varied. So it's hard to predict what enemies are going to do. So if you leave an enemy with one little speck left, once they're like spooked and they're running around like kind of for their life, it's very hard to hit them that last time. Um, One thing I would say is when you look for weapons in Division 2, the clip size is a big deal. Like definitely try to find guns that have bigger clips. And in fact, I would take a gun with a bigger clip over a gun that has more power any day of the week. Um, and then the other thing I should have mentioned too that I did not was attachments and things like that for guns. You don't just like find that stuff. Like you either have to buy it with your tech points or there are these, I can't remember what the actual word is that they use in the game, but there's basically this desk that has like challenges and it'll say, okay, we need the following resources. Plus we need you to kill this guy out in the open world. And then you'll get like a new scope. Oh, like, or, I, or extra or a bigger magazine. Right. I also recall that um, like one of the points of like the weird the side things you can pick up out there is you're supposed to get blueprints from them. Yeah, that's what it is. They give you the blueprints to build like the scopes and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and that's one of those things that a lot of people may just overlook. I mean, it is a station at the base of operations, 
But I can see some people missing it because there's tons of stations that actually don't do anything. Uh, and this is it's just this table that you go up to and uh, they just give you challenges to complete. And as you complete those, then you get blueprints that you can use to build better stuff. And that can help you as well if you don't want to just choose a weapon based upon how big the clip is. Anyway, just a pro tip that I've kind of figured out after playing it for hours and hours. Uh, let's see. Ian McGar. DOAX, DOA Extreme 3 on PS4 has cut out all the exploding bikinis and super jiggling, whereas Nintendo is fine with it. Seems odd for a family console. Personally, I don't care. Just found it amusing. That is odd. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, so, Sony has sort of cracked down on stuff like that in last year or two. It's weird. Um, Why is that? I don't know. Like, I, whereas, like, Nintendo seems like, bring it in. Like, yeah, what, which what, is, they flip roles. Yeah. Now Nintendo's been the one that's just like, whatever, like, all those jiggly games from Japan, mm. like, they all come out on Switch, uncensored. Whereas, like, that used to be, like, I mean, for the last three years of, ex of its existence, that was pretty much the Vita's bread and butter, um, such as it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why Sony would, would have made that pivot. I don't, I don't really understand why that happened. Like, I don't really care one way or the other, but, like, it, it just seems like Sony, like... Why? I, I, I never got the impression Sony cared. Yeah. You know? No, they were always so hands off. Yeah. It's really weird. I mean, there's been a change. Like the, this somewhere is, in the like company. this seems like the most controlling they've gotten since back in the PlayStation One era, where they refused to let people make 2D games on the system. Yep. Yeah. Which well, also like, didn't no, make no, no, any no, goddamn sense. This is a 3D sense. system, and like we need to make sure people I've, know it's 3D. I found a clip from an old European Nintendo magazine, a little clipping, and it's from from that that era. And it's, it's got screenshots of the N64 Castlevania next to Symphony of the Night. And the whole text of it is making fun of the fact that the PlayStation Castlevania is 2D and how that's terrible. And 3D is the best. And clearly the Cas Castlevania 64 is going to be way better because it's 3D and there's big characters. And you don't have to squint to look at that shitty two, like 2D animation anymore. And I was like, hmm, that aged well. Good, <laughs> good, good call. Um... Curious with the... Uh, there's been some ratings popping up for Castlevania Anniversary Castle yeah. Collection. Yeah, I saw Interested that. to see what that is. I saw some speculation online. I was like, "Oh, it'll be the the N60, the NES ones, and Castlevania Four and Bloodline." I'm like, "You think Konami's giving you more than three games in a collection? You are adorable." Like, yeah, that, that's that not is, happening. That is not happening. No, you are getting the NES three games if you're lucky. It's probably just gonna be a repackage of Dracula X and Symphony again. I don't know. Um, here's one from Not Cirque. I think that's who it is. It's like light green on white, so I'm trying to see it. Um, are you at all fatigued with all these games requiring hundreds of hours of gameplay, especially all these games as a service? I just thought about this the other day. It's funny that you asked that. Um, I mean, the games as a service stuff, I don't go the distance with in that regard just because they run out of content that's meaningful to me. Like. I'm not. I don't like grinding the same levels over and over again to like get one. You know, a foozle that's plus one right. better, or like collect another ten bear asses in the hope that I get like the gun that does five more damage. Like this is not interesting to me. Like the end game stuff in MMOs and and games like that are not interesting to me because you're just sort of I've, you're not developing the concepts. You're not showing me anything new. You're just sort of making me play to play. You know. Um, so in terms of like say something like The Witcher or Assassin's Creed Odyssey that are take forever, like I like I still like that, 
but the games as a service thing they just wants me to get on the treadmill and run forever because they want to, they, they hope that at some point I'll get bored enough that I spend microtransaction money on something to make it happen faster nah like this that's not interesting to me I'll say this to me games as a service make it harder for me to do my job because of exactly what Matt said because they're repetitive and they're very much the same uh, like so I have to make tough decisions at night. I have to make tough decisions all day with my time. Like, how do I divide my time? I'm one person. I have X, Y, and Z I need to do each day. How do I get it all done and complete everything for each day? And then ultimately, how do I squeeze in time to play video games? Because you guys keep forgetting I have to play these games to talk about them and help you guys decide whether you want to buy them or not. All the other stuff I'm doing, I have to spend dozens of hours a week playing games, which, hey, poor me. Mm. But what I've noticed is, is a lot of times when I play games, I it's not until like 11.30 or midnight until I can actually play games. And what I've found is a lot of times I'll pick up a game as a service at 11.30 or 12 o'clock with the idea of playing until 2 or 3 in the morning and then getting up at 8.30 to do it all over again. And what I've found is after I get a certain distance into a game as a service, it's very hard for me to play that game at that time of night because I'm like, I'm tired. My eyes are tired, but I've been staring at a screen all day working. I'm mentally exhausted and I need to play a game because I know I need to talk about it. Last night I played the division two from, from like 1030 until like 315 in the morning. It's just what I do. But what I found with games as a service is when I get to that point, I've worked for the day. I've had dinner with the wife. We've wound down from that. I've hung out with her for a couple hours, and then she goes to bed. She has to get up way earlier than I do for work. After all that, I sit down, and I'm like, okay, it's time to play. After I've been playing a game as a service for a while, it's very hard to start playing at that time of night when I'm really mm -hmm. tired. Finding the motivation to do it is tough. And I'll say this, nine times out of ten, once I finally get over that mental hurdle and start playing it, I get sucked in, and it just happens. But... If I'm playing like Devil May Cry, it hasn't been hard for me to just keep playing that at all. Because I know something exciting, something different is going to be around the corner every time. When you know that you're going to play a game and you're just going to fight the same enemies again, but they're going to take more bullets. And you're going to get more gear, but it's probably just going to be something that's just a little bit better than what you've already got. It gets hard to make that sacrifice for me anyway. And it's pretty much why I'm not playing Anthem much anymore. Yeah. Also because Anth I finished Anthem though. Anthem Anthem has a bigger problem in the sense that like between missions it has such a pronounced downtime. It does. Yeah. That like it doesn't have that thing that Destiny has where I would be like I want to stop playing and then it would be so fast to get ju jump back into the next thing that I would be continuing to play without even realizing it. Yeah, the only uh, way you get Anthem that in, have in Anthem that. is if you play free play. Yeah. Cuz basically Anthem's free play is all the other games as a service. Mhm. Mm and and like playing the division like you can just keep going like you you after you collect all that stuff you have to go back to the base of operations to redeem those tech points mm -hmm. and spend them but you don't have to you can keep using the gear and the skills and the perks that you have right then and make it through the game and keep making headway so um it's like i said it's this mental thing but once i get over that hurdle then i'm good to go and i can play the game and, and stick with it until i'm just exhausted and my eyes start to cross but that is the one thing I would say with games as a service is because of their repetitive nature, it's hard for me to just kind of squeeze them into uh, my normal routine. Mm -hmm. Good question, by the way. Um, 
One from Vincent. I'm surprised Game Pass didn't come up at all in your Halo Infinite discussion. Isn't a game as a service better for driving subscriptions than a bunch of packaged products would be? Good question. In that good regard, point. yeah. Yeah. If you get Halo Infinite by default, if you're a subscriber to Game Pass, that's a good bonus. It's, I, but again, I keep going back to the money. <laughs> it's like we were talking earlier about not making packaged products for every Halo coming out or just kind of putting out commercials, but not having this thing where you go to the store and everyone's excited for the new Halo game and all that. Um, I think the money part of it is the question I have. Because, if, again, if people are playing the new Halo for $10 instead of $60, I don't know. Yeah, but if you just need six people who would maybe not otherwise spend $60, you've got those $60. Right. I guess that's the X factor, though. Yeah. Is, is it really going to work that way? If it didn't, I don't think they'd be doing it. That's their bet. I don't, I don't think they know yet whether that's going to work that way. I think Game Pass has been around long enough for them to kind of see where that's going. But if they had a release like Halo, though, or well, Gears... Depends what you put on there. I mean, Halo, Halo Infinite may not hit day and date with Game Pass, but I mean, what's the biggest, elements of it could. What's the biggest first-party game that's come out since Game Pass launched? Would it be Forza Horizon oh, for, 3? I mean, yeah, I don't know what else it could possibly be. And I mean, that game's kind of... I mean... It's sold several, it's a great game. A lot of copies. It's an amazing game. It's probably, you know, just driving game of the year, but I don't think people would be too salty if they bought that for 60 bucks and then saw someone else pay 10 bucks for it. Yeah. But Halo, I think that might be a different case. Mm, how would you know? Do you think Halo Infinite will be on Game Pass? Do you think it might be an exception where they're like, no, this is the one game we're not putting on there? I don't know. I think it could be in part parts. Yeah, you know, like maybe maybe early on at least. Like if you if you're on Game Pass, you get the multiplayer. Uh, but if you want the campaign, you got to buy the got to buy the, the full thing. Full thing. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that because that'll be their first big. Well, actually, because I don't think you could. Ign- actually, I think Gears Five is going to be the first big test. You can't really ignore the Game Pass thing if you're going to do a, a platform. Right. Element. I mean, that's that's the incentive for people to sign up is to play the big games for ten bucks mm-hmm. a month. So it's going to be interesting. Like. I, I think Gears will be the the first litmus test to see if it's actually going to pay off financially for Microsoft. So it'll have Gears there to do that before it has to make a decision on Halo. Uh, not Cirque, thank you for subscribing via Twitch Prime, man. Appreciate it. Um, and here's our last one for tonight. That Japanese dude, did you hear about the Epic Game Launcher going through your Steam account and recording stuff? Yeah, that was not really what it's doing. Um, I read a little bit about that before you got here. I did not see that. It's basically you can give it permission to sort of dig through uh, what your playtime, I think, and maybe your friends list or something. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's just usual. It's the usual sort of like, hey, you give us access to this thing and we can look at it. And clearly they're collecting data. Some people are freaked out about it. Other people don't care. Um, I don't... I haven't bought anything on the Epic Store and haven't used anything like that so right now it's sort of irrelevant to me but like uh it doesn't really surprise me i think you do have to opt into it but like i had a couple developer friends online who are talking about like basically windows 10 not only makes it easy to do that but sort of encourages apps to look at each other like that so it's not really all that shocking to them um i don't know i don't really care if epic knows what i'm <laughs> playing on steam <laughs> i don't know yeah, whatever no. i mean a lot of people get really pissed off about privacy and stuff like that. And I get it. I just don't care. You might. I, I don't. It's like, you can go ahead yeah. and look at my stuff. I think that's going to become less... I mean, you know, people our age are, and around that age, our age are more concerned with stuff like that, I find. 
Whereas like younger kid, like my my niece and people like that, she gets upset when like commercials run that are for things she already owns. Yeah, he mentioned which that like before. it's great. Like her gener, I think the younger generation wants more intrusion in that. Yeah, yeah. They, they want these <laughs> they want these algorithms and these these companies to they know work. more about them. Yeah. So they can customize the experience and closer to what easier. they're interested in. Yeah. Uh, they don't have an expectation of privacy on the same level that we do. We are definitely not. Um, possibly, because they haven't had it on the same level yeah. we've had it. Well, also possibly because they have not grown up watching cyberpunk things. Right. Um, <laughs> Where they make you paranoid. Yeah, there's not you know there's, there's there's, uh, there's not as much X-Files in the diet of a 10-year-old today. Um, so maybe that'll change the as, as they get a little older and realize, like, oh, maybe I don't want my entire life online before I turn 13. Yeah. But um, Too late. Yeah, really. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Um, but again, it's going to be an interesting sort of, I think, values clash between the younger generation and, and the older generation. And that, that might be where the millennials finally start to find that they've become the old people. Yep, that's true. Uh, so that's, Meanwhile, Gen X is just like, no one cares about us. We don't, no, and we don't care either. We're just going to over here. I don't care that you don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't. That's kind of Gen X in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah. We're, we're, we're all, it's like funny how, like, how happy we are to be left out of all those like data polls. Yeah. It's, it just goes straight from baby boomers to millennials. Good. We're like, cool. We're good. I'm fine with that. <laughs> we will be in the coffee shop if you need us. So I think that's it for all the questions. It's the last ones I see anyway. I'm surprised none of you guys asked about the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead that was announced today. It's called what, Back for Blood? Back for Blood. I think it's like a vampire thing. Sounds like a vampire thing, but it could be anything. There's blood in zombies too, yeah. you know. It's coming from Turtle, Turtle, Turtle Rock. Turtle yeah. Rock They're back. Warner that was Brothers. literally their tweet was, we're back. Yeah. And so it's the squad that did Left 4 Dead, and they're going. Yeah. They can't use Left 4 Dead because Warner they, Brothers obviously didn't want to pay for it. Yeah, but they seem to have moved to a place that will let them make an actual frickin' video game again. So it's it's funny too that they do have the number four in the title. It's Back 4, four Blood, Blood. Yeah, instead so. of Left 4 Dead. So we'll so, see what it is. I'm, so I, they've managed I'm to find to bet a way a, to brand it. I'm willing to bet it's a co-op supernatural shooter of some yeah kind. i mean yeah. i think they already said that yeah yeah but there's going to be uh like competitive multiplayer or something this time sure why not yeah so surprised you guys didn't ask about it so i thought we'd bring it up before we say adios so that's it for game phase 160 we should be back here on next thursday i've mentioned it before but there is a thread in the sifted forums for game phase so if you're always wondering when the show is going to happen i always post in that thread going forward when the show is going to be live on twitch uh, those of you watching on YouTube, please help us out with a Twitch Prime sub. Thanks to everybody who subscribed via Twitch Prime during the live stream. Thanks for everyone who sat on the live stream tonight on a Thursday. I know some of you guys were in Europe. Y'all rock. Uh, but if you can help us with Twitch Prime, if you're a YouTube viewer and you can't afford to help us on Patreon, we would really appreciate it. But what we would really appreciate is if you could help us with our Patreon. It's far more predictable. And when we have money on there, it's much easier to plan for things uh, because we know how much revenue we have coming in. So anyway... As always, thanks for watching, guys. Have a great night. Game Face is up and out.